Blog Talk Radio. President recognizes Mr. Adams of Massachusetts. Objects of the most stupendous magnitude. Measures which will affect the lives of millions, born and unborn, are now before us. We must expect a great expense of blood to obtain them. But we must always remember that a free constitution of civil government cannot be purchased at too dear a rate as there is nothing on this side of Jerusalem of greater importance to mankind. My worthy colleague from Pennsylvania has spoken with great ingenuity and eloquence. He has given you a grim prognostication of our national future, but where he foresees apocalypse, I see hope. I see a new nation ready to take its place in the world. Not an empire, but a republic. And a republic of laws, not men. Gentlemen, we are in the very midst of revolution. The most complete, unexpected, and remarkable of any in the history of the world. How few of the human race have ever had an opportunity of choosing a system of government for themselves and their children. I am not without apprehensions, gentlemen. But the end we have in sight is more than worth all the means. I believe, sirs, that the hour has come. My judgment approves this measure, and my whole heart is in it. All that I have, all that I am, and all that I hope in this life, I am now ready to stake upon it. While I live, let me have a country. A free country.
have a magnificent job, the visual impact that people will experience when they see what you have produced, you've been very impartial in your presentation, and you have allowed the people, the viewers, to make up their own mind to present the, the evidence. And anyway, it's an honor to have you on the program. say that the work that Dennis Wise has undertaken and accomplished and the value of this work cannot be underestimated at this time especially. He has undertaken to present uh, actual information about the most controversial period in human history. We have been given a narrative that has painted a picture and image for the world to consume. And we have to look at this. The reason this is so important at this time for everyone to look at is we have to challenge the lies. Okay, that's one thing right there, just from a moral standpoint. In our time today, it is more than that just a morality. It is a matter of physical survival itself because we have to look at this period and look at exactly what happened, which Dennis Wise has presented to us in his great accomplishment that he has put together there. The, we have to look at, look at what happened. Stalin, Churchill, and Roosevelt, and what did they do with this power? As again, illustrated in his great work, The Greatest Story Never Told. Yes, if you want to see the dangers that are facing the world today, just watch this film and you can see the actual facts, indisputable facts of what really happened at that time. Joseph Gibson here, turning it over to the Republic. Go ahead, Mr. Henning. Thank you, uh, Joseph. Thanks for allowing us to come onto your platform and uh, share with the people. Uh, America, good evening. We're uh, restoring your Republic peacefully and lawfully. Uh, if you have some time, take, go back to our national website, republicforunitedstatesofamerica.org, and educate yourself. Share that with your children, your grandchildren, and your neighbors. Uh, tonight we're going to have Justice Waters from the Indiana Free State and share some thoughts with you. Justice Waters? Well, thank you, Governor. Hello, America. You know, the last couple of weeks we've had conversations after our initial call, and the word faith has come up. I was wondering last week after listening to everybody talk, what if most Americans that go to church, they hear the word faith, they, they try to use it in their everyday life, and most of us wonder why things don't happen the way we expect them to. Could it be, like I found out in 95 through 96, that the faith that I was using was not the correct faith? I learned through experience, trial and error, and usually by tribulation, that the faith I was using wasn't right. Faith isn't the gab it and grab it. It's not the name it and then frame it. And it's not the simple say it and then take it. It's not the prosperity gospel type of faith. 
faith is a whole lot more than just that. When we break it down, it's the ABCs of God. Faith compiles four things. In James 2.17, it says faith without works is dead. So faith is an action. In Hebrews 11.1, it says that faith is the substance of things believed in but not yet seen. So faith is a belief. In 1 John 5.14, it says that faith is our confidence that we have when we bring our petitions to the throne. So faith is our confidence that he hears us. And the fourth thing, and the biggest thing, is that in the world that we live in today, it takes 99.9% of your courage to use and live by that faith. See, we must use faith in order to have this republic stood up. Because it will not be us that stands it up. It will be the heart of the people of America. And then it will be by the power of God that we are stood up. No one or two people will ever be able to do that task. But there's a hitch to all about faith. And that is we all, you and I, must follow his word. We must live his word And we must never walk away from him and his throne, his son, or his Holy Spirit. Right now, what we see going on out there in Biden land is the awakening of the people. Our enemy is trying to put us down. And all he's really doing is he is raising us up. He's raising God's people to a point of going on a spiritual warpath against him. People from all walks of life are now sick and tired of him putting us down, placing us as a state of enemies against his agenda, and he has opened a lot of eyes, both physically and spiritually. Our founding fathers used their faith and a holy God to form this nation. But God didn't just come down one day and tell good old George he was going to make a new nation and that we were supposed to call it the United States of America. No, no one was told anything. So what happened? The founders in early 1776 began to write a document about freedom against the king of England. Before that, no one had the guts to do such a thing against any king. So they began to sit and talk, write, rewrite, argue. They even had duels. And in the end, on July 3rd, 1776, they had their rough draft done. It was the very beginning. And they made sure that the laws of nature and nature's God were included as all authority 
from above and on this earth was given his due. Now, at this point, I'm going to ask David Hurtler to later on, when I'm done, I'm going to ask him how long it took from the signing of the Declaration of Independence to the actual formation and ratification of the Constitution. He will tell you the dates. He will tell you the amount of years it took. And then we're going to compare that to where we are right now in this republic. You see, in their day, the Founding Fathers' Day, the local church was the seat of government. In every small town and village in the 13 newly formed states, the people met and talked and listened to those individuals who were running for an office locally and nationally. The people knew who they were, and they knew what the people wanted. There was no big tech, no huge corporations to run the government. The people ran it, and the church played the biggest part of all. But have you ever wondered where our presidential crest came from? We, the Republic, have in our possession the letters between Adams and Jefferson, Washington and Franklin, and it was stated there that they knew very well who they were, what bloodline they came from, and from where their power and authority came from. You see, you go back into biblical history, and you'll find that Joseph had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And from the two crests of their tribes in Hebrew comes the arrows and the leaves. They are found at our presidential crest at the bottom of the bald eagle at the feet. They also knew that the ten tribe nations that went into exile in the Caucasus Mountains, most southern boundary of Russia today, then was ruled by Gog and Magog. Today we can trace back to the early 450 B.C. era when they were supposedly lost. And after 220 years, wave after wave of white Anglo-Saxons came out of the migrated west to what is now Turkey, Greece, and into Europe, and then Spain, and finally England. Also in 539 B.C., Jeremiah and Tia, who was Hezekiah's daughter, a boatsman and a scribe left Jerusalem with the diadem and the crown and a big stone called Jacob's Pillar, a huge three-foot square, five-foot-long rock with four huge iron rings in it where they, where they could place a rod through it and carry it. They went to Alexandria, Egypt first. Then a year later, they went through the Straits of Gibraltar and landed at a group of isles called Ireland in 580 B.C., where Tia married an Irish prince, had children, along with the crown and the diadem. It later went to Scotland. Then in 1301, it landed 
in Westminster Abbey, England, and was used for England's very first inauguration of a king, the first kingship. Thus, the prophecy of Ezekiel 21, 26 through 27, was fulfilled, that he would overturn, overturn, and overturn it till he comes whose right it is to sit upon the throne. From Jerusalem to Ireland is one overturn. From Ireland to Scotland is two overturns. From Scotland to England is three overturns. Then in Ezekiel 38:13, we have a scripture where it's mentioned Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof. Sheba and Dedan are the Saudi Arabia Peninsula. The merchants of Tarsus were traders that came from Portugal and traded with a group of islands to the north known as the British Isles. The young lions of Britain are Canada, South Africa, Australia, United States, and other English-speaking nations. All those Anglo-Saxon people coming westwardly over the centuries made contact with the descendants of Tia and her bloodline and are now, for the most part, Manasseh and Ephraim's bloodline. So if you want to have a bloodline from England, Scotland, Ireland, Iceland, Norway, Poland, and Greenland, you have the bloodline of Manasseh and Ephraim inside you. That makes you the bloodline of the Hebrews, the chosen, and the founders knew that since most of them came from England and Scotland, and there were some from Ireland, they wrote the Constitution based upon the church of the Messiah. And that church wound up right here in America. This is why in order back then to hold a seat in Congress or a Supreme Court justice, even a president and state officers, you had to openly state that you were a believer in Jesus Christ, that you were a firm believer in the laws of nature and of nature's God. They did not want the Catholics here because of the Jesuits. They didn't want the Muslims here because at that time, England was still fighting the Crusades in Jerusalem and in Turkey. And they didn't want the Arabs because of the heritage of always causing and disrupting with war. They only wanted Christians for all public offices and officers. If you believed in another religion other than Christianity, you had to be made full aware that if you broke the law, you would be tried on biblical law, not on Sharia or not on any other type of law form. Eventually, in the late 1790s, the Jesuit came to the schools and churches and began to bring false teachings in like with Irving and John Nielsen Darby, with dispensationalism, 
and the pre-trib rapture, which had its start in 1836 in Glasgow, Scotland, with Irving and Darby, then later here in America with Schofield, the Moody Press, and then Dallas Theological Seminary. Then into every Sunday school in America across all denominations in the early 1900s, thus a false teaching proclaimed as truth. In 327 A.D. at the First Council of Nicaea, the church at Rome changed laws of the Sabbath from the last day of the week to the first and Passover to Easter. They brought in a false teaching of the tithe, which was done away with because there was no Jerusalem and no temple treasury since the tithe was always given biblically just three times a year and only at Jerusalem, and only on a feast day, the spring feast, Pentecost, and the fall feast, which will begin here at sundown on September 25, 2022. The Constitution was written with three branches because of the Father, Son, Spirit, called Elohim, and because of biblical law, which is broke down into only three kinds of law, executive, lawmaking, and judgment. No other nation had anything that resembled this Constitution. But in 1871, the great Northern General Grant, who was now president, signed into law from Congress the Organic Act of 1871 for the District of Columbia, which gave D.C. all power over itself. And just one week later, they passed and Grant signed into law the Dictionary Act, which created then every person in America to become a corporation. They changed the words, the same thing they're doing now. They changed the corporation, us to a corporation, and made us a slave to the state, which eventually became a slave to the national government. And today we have that as you and I are slaves to them. If you buy a vehicle, get any kind of license, drive on their roads, pay any tolls, buy their food with a credit card, have any kind of bank account, and use their city water by contract, you are their slave until the corporation goes down. You can get out of all their contracts if you want to pay thousands of dollars, wait 10 to 15 years, and then have no guarantee that all the judges will accept it. You will either have to bow down to a slave master or get into the covering of Yahweh, creator of the laws of nature, and he owns the universe. There is nothing that happens in this universe. He owns the universe. It's like a train set that he put together. He created it, and he is the only one that can operate within its laws. We are counting 
our blessings every day. We need help so we can help the American people. We need two major things from people. We need a militia that will bind together and serve the people of America, defend them, and uphold and support the Constitution and the Bill of Rights for each American. And then we need the church. And I don't mean just a denomination or denominations. I mean the people of the church because the people are the church. We need to have as many Bible-believing, God-worshiping, Bible-teaching, and truth-seeking men and women to take up the truth and start marching alongside us. And we can take our nation back before Biden completely destroys it. If you will not do it, then who will? You can no longer wait for the next guy and see if he stands up to do it. What is faith? Faith for our republic was when we had the first phone call on September 23, 2010. Then we met in Utah, and Congress wrote to DSI and then signed it in 2014 and distributed it to the known world so everybody knew who we were under international law. Then came the years 2011 to 2017, where we had three attempts to destroy us from within, where we that are here tonight stood tall, and we held our ground. We believed in our God. We believed in the blood of Yeshua, and we spoke his word through the worst times, and yet he never failed us. We never failed our oath. We stood tall, strong, and our belief that God would help us and give us what we needed still acting on our belief. But then now today, we have the confidence that he hears us, that he will do and give us what our petitions that we ask for. He has sent us through so far. Why would he stop now? This is our action that is based upon a belief that is sustained through your confidence. Yet, with the present administration and all that's going on that wants to destroy everything, it takes 99.9% courage to live like this day in, day out. We don't need those who will say, well, it's not going to work. We need those who will get it done. We don't need those who slam other races because you hate the Jews. If you hate the Jews, then you hate the Messiah, because he was a Jew. He was from the tribe of Judah. Therefore, if you are one of those, you need to take your hating spirit and go somewhere else. We don't need you. We can't afford you, because all you do is bring destruction to whatever it is somebody is trying to build.
The prophets warned of old those kind of people, and they didn't listen. And those kind of people wound up getting destroyed. If you use doubt, then you're not using faith. We need those who will operate in biblical faith. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a a Harvard graduate. You just need to have the heart of the Lord, the heart of his word, and the willingness to go forth and execute that word. Doubt is the enemy of everything we stand for. So what we have learned to do is to doubt our doubt. Once we doubted our doubt, our doubt has been doubted, and therefore it can't doubt anymore. This republic is built on faith through his holy scriptures and the power and authority that it gives us. Nothing else matters except what's in store for the people. We are not about ruling over people. We are all about the people ruling over themselves. We love our nation as it was before 1861. And we love that the founders were doing what they did. But today we have people like Brittany Grinder who sat on the sidelines during the national anthem, raised her fist, wearing shirts that said Black Lives Matter, who we know to be a destructive force. She wanted socialism. She said socialism is the greatest thing for America. Then she tried to push drugs into Russia to go there and play basketball. And now she's sitting in a socialist nation in their prison. Well, Brittany, you wanted socialism? You got it. Happy eight years. This is why we always must speak the word of God. We must speak it in our own lives as well as others. And we need to speak it in truth and in harmony for heaven to operate on our behalf. This is what we have done. We have operated in a biblical faith. It is where we are today. We serve the people. We have the heart of the living God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all we want to do is bring this republic back so the people of this nation can live in harmony and in peace without demonstration, without insurrections, without hate, violence, and death. That is not a republic. That is hell. David, would you please tell the people the dates and how many years it took for the founding fathers to come between signing the Declaration of Independence to the signing and authorization of the states 
for the Constitution for the United States. Floor is yours, David. Thank you, Justice Waters. A tremendous presentation again, as always. I know 1787, on September 17th, the Constitution, a couple of years later, it was ratified 1789. But the Bill of Rights, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was finished on December 15th, 15 years after the Declaration of Independence, uh, 1791. Uh, So 15 years later, 1791, the Bill of Rights came out on December 15th. Um, Is is that kind of like what you're looking for? Yes, David. Let me ask you a question. Okay. You've been in this for a while. Have you noticed that we have done parallel things to what the founding fathers had to go through, that what they did we had to go through as well? Have you noticed that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And and I wanna I wanna say this. And and my world has been turned kind of upside down, or it's been in uh, a scattering because of a book. Walter Marshall wrote a book, and it was it was published in 1692, and it was called the Sanctification Highway of Holiness. And to live by faith, this is this is this is taken too lightly, especially in today. The king, when you come into the kingdom of God, when you receive Christ, your way of living is only by faith. If if you go to if you go to this book. There's an excerpt from this book. He says, Walter Marshall says, your way to a holy practice is first to conquer and expel all unbelieving thoughts by trusting confidently on Christ and persuading yourself by faith that his righteousness, spirit, glory, and all his spiritual benefits are yours and that he dwelleth in you and you in him in the might of this confidence you shall go forth to the performance of the law, and you will be strong against sin and Satan, and be able to do all things through Christ that strengthens you. And this confident persuasion is of great necessity to the right framing and disposing our hearts to walk according to our new state in Christ. Listen, the life of faith principally consists in it, and herein it eminently appeareth that faith is a hand not only to receive Christ, but also to work by him, and that it cannot be effectual for our sanctification, except it contain in it some assurance of our interest in Christ, as hath been shown. Thus, we act as as those that are above the sphere of nature, advanced, to union and fellowship with Christ. Now, taking this one step further, if you go to Galatians chapter 3, it will say in there, the just shall live by faith. They worship by faith as Abel. They walk by faith as Enoch. They work by faith as Noah. 
They live by faith as Abraham. They govern by faith as Moses. They followed by faith as Israel. And they fought by faith as Joshua. And they conquered by faith as Gideon. And they subdued kingdoms by faith as David. And they closed the mouths of lions by faith as Daniel. And they walked through fire by faith as the three Hebrew children. And they suffered by faith as Paul. And they died by faith as Stephen, the first Christian martyr. By faith, they were patient in suffering, courageous in battle, made strong out of weakness, and were victorious in defeat. They were more than conquerors by faith, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The the faith of the saints inspire us, but we look to Jesus. This is, this is, this, you can't take faith lightly. The only way that the Republic can stand is by faith. The only way that the Christian, the believer, is to function is by faith. If we go to, go to Hebrews chapter 11, I believe, verse 6, you cannot please God unless you walk by faith. So the just shall live by faith. I yield the floor back to you, Justice Waters. Thank you for giving me this time. Sir, you know, everybody, this republic from the very beginning in 2010, from Utah on, has endured the same things, almost on the same timeline as what our founding fathers endured. And the reason I asked David to do that is because originally there was a 10-year plan. And things happened during that 10-year period to where it kind of like delayed it. It may have delayed uh, a couple of things here and there to where we are now in our 12th year. We're almost at the end of our 12th year, going into our 13th year. If the Founding Fathers took 15 years to go from the signing of the Declaration of Independence to the standing of the Republic through the biblical Constitution, then what we are looking at is a 15-year period from the signing of our DSI to the standing up of the Republic because of the people of this nation, because the power of God is being exerted through faith. And I don't care what anybody does. I don't care what any sitting president may say. The power of the Bible, the power of the spirit of the person who is living the Bible and living with the blood of the the Messiah over him will stand this thing up and we will take our nation back. No matter how it is done, we will take our nation back. Can I interject Don't here? Don't ever I... forget the idea that our founding fathers didn't just walk into a room. Somebody gave them the keys and off and they, they ran. No, they had to take it. That meant somebody had to pick up a weapon and go take it from the British. If you think for one minute 
Hillary Clinton is going to turn the keys over to President Geiger, you got another thing coming. We're going to have to take it eventually. Faith is in every aspect. But here's what we are asking and pleading for tonight, people. We need the pastors of these churches in America to quit arguing, to quit bickering. Your denomination doesn't mean a thing in heaven. What means something is whether or not you are covered by the blood of Yeshua. Are you covered by the blood of the Lamb? If you are, then you are a body member of Christ. And we need you in our republic. You used to sing a song, the battle hymn of the republic. That's us, folks. That's who we are. And if you're going to sit in your churches and sing that song, then are you going to stand up one day and actually do it? Or just wait for somebody else? That's my question. We need you, pastors. We need you to go forth and tell your congregation, God's got an answer. The answer is right in front of you. All we need is for you, the people, to back us, to be a part of us, to join up with us. Because when they, the enemy, see thousands every day coming on board with the republic, they will start hitting the jets and taking off to other countries. Believe me, that will be their first step because they will not want to look at prosecution down the road. They'll go live in China. They'll go live in Russia. They'll feel protected there. We will never let them back. We follow the laws of the Bible. And if you haven't read the Old Testament lately, well, it ain't pretty if you're an enemy of God. If you are on God's side in the Old Testament, you saw miracle after miracle, healing after healing. You saw all kind of neat things take place for you. Can I ask a question? Yes, sir. Um, the, the people that I speak to of the church, from the churches around the country, um, uh, I don't know if anyone wants to come on board here or maybe clarify it. You know, um, the, the, you know, we're in the end times. That's what I've been told by pastors and have talked mm-hmm. to me, and that, these these are the end times, and it's all going downhill. This is not you know, evolution; it's devolution. And basically, yeah, if the people are to repent and turn, you know, turn away from their wicked ways, yeah, God will heal the land. But at the current, but at the times that we live today, um, it's going down. You know, uh, prepare for the rapture they say prepare to be raptured out of here prepare you know that that look you know the it's all lining up a prophecy is being fulfilled before our very eyes the prophetic writings and teachings of the bible are being fulfilled um and you can't stop prophecy you know so um 
unless there's some sort of leader that's going to rise up or some group that's going to rise up and start waking up the masses and coming together to show and lead by example, then the people are lost and prepare, yeah, prepare for something big, prepare for the rapture. And and that's what I've been told by, I don't know who's on tonight, that can maybe clarify the rapture, maybe. I know there's some discussion about that. Um, I spoke to some people within the Republic about that also. Um, yeah, you know, so the teachings of this uh, doctrine and that this is the you know, and that the King James Bible is the uh, is the seventh translation uh, of the of the Word of God, and that's the true Word of God that has been preserved for all of us to study and read. And if nobody believes that that God God can preserve His Word, then what kind of God do you have? You know, put him in a paper bag and he can't get out. You know, so therefore, you know, so I don't know if anybody can maybe can clarify this, expound upon this, um, or or or. Maybe their take on the end times and where the where does America stand in the end times? Uh, you know, maybe if there's some pastor. I know I invited a couple of few on here to because uh, there were some questions also where they were inspired by one. I'm not going to mention his name unless he wants to put his hands up. There was one there that you were uh, uh, inspired by what he had to say and, and and things that he was talking about. Um, but you know, if, if I don't see him put his hand up, then I, uh, I'm not going to mention his name. But what can you just comment on that? The rapture, or what's what's going on here? Because the, now we start getting into this a conflict, kind of like what these groups that you just pointed out, these uh, neo-Nazi groups and militia groups. We they, the churches do the same thing as those groups do: is they conflict, they argue with each other over their methods and their doctrine and their beliefs, and then we, you know, and we become divided. So. Can you maybe you can uh, maybe give me a clarification on it, maybe, or what the Republic believes and what does it stand for as far as their, their mission statement or their statement of faith? Sure. First of all, everybody, we believe the Holy Scriptures. That does not mean the modern-day translations. That means the original writing, the Hebrew. If you want to get down to the nitty-gritty of God's Word, you got to study the Hebrew. Um, second of all, just because things are going downhill, and I know I've studied prophecy for over 50 years. Uh, <clears throat> way back in the, my Marine Corps days, my job was a anti-tank man. I was to blow up Russian tanks. The war with Russia really interested me in Ezekiel 38, 39. But even though things are going downhill, and it looks like that the, the prophecies, and they are being fulfilled daily, does not mean we don't continue to do what the Word tells us to do. We, the believers, need to band together. We need to come together, not drift apart, come together. And we need to live together, communicate together, bind together. This is what we are supposed to do. That way we are a force. Yes, there's going to be a system of the Antichrist. Yes, there's going to be a false prophet. But the Bible never says he conquers the entire world. There are pockets of resistance. 
that's for white horse. He was given a bow and a crown. He was never given arrows. He went forth conquering and to conquer, but it never says he conquered. When I say that resistance, was that resistance during the tribulation or the the tribulation or uh, because that's that's just just before the three and a half year great tribulation. Yeah, seven year tribulation. Only forty two months. Well, it's a seven year trip. It's only forty two months. What do you mean it's only 42 months? I don't understand. I don't it's get only that, 42 but. months. The Bible, Daniel tells you times, time, and the dividing of time. Revelation tells you flat out, 42 months. From the so, time so, that, that the seventh seal and the trumpets begin to blow, from that point onward to the return is 42 months. That's so I, I, I was always been taught it was a seven-year trip. That's why I know. Before the That's dispensationalism. That's the Darbyism. Okay. That's the. All right, hang on. I got. I got. I got a, uh, someone from the church on now. Let's see here. Go ahead. Uh, let me connect you. Go ahead. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, go ahead, there. Give us some doctrinal expertise, please. Two o three. Here we go. Two o three. You there? Oh yeah, I'm here. This is Doctor Ventura. Go Good ahead. evening, gentlemen. I've been quietly listening. Hey, no, I'm good, sir. Thank you. I was on a. A while back, and here's what I, you know, I'm a good Baptist. Praise the Lord, Pastor Yamo. Okay, uh, you know Bunker Hill, which wasn't fought on Bunker Hill, but anyway, uh, preaching from the pulpit, sound doctrine, Bible believing, Amen. Anything that's done outside of faith is sin. That's what the Bible says. So we have to have faith, whatever we do. Well, this is what I believe about the nation. I believe the Bible and the prophecies are correct. Everything goes down, but as I said before on this program, Josiah was a boy king. The Old Testament was written as an end sample for us. The end sample is not an example. An example of Coca-Cola is Pepsi. An end sample is a taste of Coca-Cola. So it's the real thing. And so God has given us the Old Testament as an end sample for us to learn from. And Josiah, the boy king, found the, was brought the book of the law as they were rebuilding the temple. And he read it. And he realized that the nation was going the wrong way against God. And the people repented. And they got back under the law. But prior to that, they were told they were going to Babylon. And no matter what, they're going there for 70 years. But because Josiah repented and the nation repented, God gave them a reprieve and didn't send them to Babylon until after Josiah died. So the United States of America has an opportunity for a reprieve from God to get off the path we're going on, get off the satanic trail we've been following, and to get back on the path of the word sound doctrine and scripture. And that's the Bible. And to say, and, I, and I'm sorry to, to uh, oppose what you're saying about the Hebrew and the scriptures, Psalm 12, 6, and 7 sets forth the doctrine that God has preserved his word, not the Lachman Foundation, not Nestle's text, God has preserved his word. It is tried seven times in a furnace of fire. It is purified. And when you get to the second verse, it says, Thou will keep them, the word of God. And if you own a perverse Bible, anything other than a King James, they change that word, them, the word of God that's perverse, to us. And the reason why they changed it was to destroy the preservation of the word of God so that you could believe that there is no inspired translation except only in the originals. And by the way, 
Paul was speaking Hebrew, but we have it re- we have it translated in Greek. Jeremiah's scripture was written and thrown into the earth, and it was rewritten. And there's inspiration a second time. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. There's five thousand four hundred. 20 manuscripts. The earliest of its time is is the uh, Ryland Papyrus, which was in 50 years to the original. It's a piece of John. And then after that, you get into all oh, about 90, 100 years. And, you know, you look at Pliny Secundus, Homer's Odyssey, the Gaelic Wars, Roman history, all those books, and none of them are within the uh, 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 50 to 100 years. They're all within 1,300 to 1,400 years and, and above. And none of them, and they're copies of copies. So there is more manuscript evidence for the for the Bible than there is for any of these other secular materials. And so there is a doctrine of the preservation of the Word of God. It's found in Psalm 6 and 7. Mm-hmm. Isaiah believed it. Jesus spoke of it. Matthew said it, that God's Word is preserved forever. In the book mm-hmm. of Peter, Peter says that he was on the mount with, with up there, and he saw the translation of Jesus Christ. He says, but we have a more sure word of prophecy, and that's the word of God, the written word, you see. And so a vision can be given to anybody, and that's what Peter said. Hey, we were there. We saw Christ translated. We, we saw Elijah and Moses with him on the mount, but we have a more sure word of prophecy, and that's the word of God. That's scripture. And if we don't have anything, if we're saying that we don't have scripture and God hasn't preserved his word, then all we're saying is we have something like scripture. And at one time there was a scripture and it was inspired, but now we have something that's similar to it. No, that's not what the Bible teaches in Psalm 12, 6, and 7. It teaches that God has preserved his word and it's his responsibility. And he's put it in English. There are seven world languages to the English translation, and there are seven steps from Tyndale all the way up, not counting Wycliffe, because Wycliffe used uh, Jerome's uh, Vulgate, which was corrupt. And there are seven steps to the translations of the King James. And when you look at the seven churches, and you you do them time period-wise, and you look at the seven churches, the Church of the Open Door, which is Philadelphia, had preserved their word, which which would be about 1611. And so I, I beg to differ on that. But, you know, like Joe said here, there's questions about rapture. There's questions about uh, what time. Listen, well, nobody's told in this Bible that, that when the rapture is going to occur. And nobody said in the Bible, uh, Lord, and he said, watch and know the seasons and the times. And so uh, our goal isn't, isn't the rapture. Great if it comes. Our goal is to serve the Lord, to win souls to Jesus Christ, to build the exactly. kingdom of God, to stand on faith, to stand on the firm foundation of the word of God. Because if we if we can't get back to that old path preaching, and listen, I've been around this country. I've traveled from uh, San Diego to Connecticut 42 times in the last nine years. And by the way, I drive. And I've stopped in a whole lot of churches around this country. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of preachers who went. They weren't sent. And they're not preaching the same Jesus you and I are preaching. They have the name Jesus. They have somebody that sounds like Jesus, and they use the same words you and I are using. But they got a different Jesus. They're not even standing on faith. And 95% of these churches are teaching their people that they were sinners saved by grace. And no, we are sinners saved by grace. And when you get into these churches, that's the first line to fall down in these churches. And then you fall into the contemporary music. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are thrown out the door. But we need to get back to the scriptures and back to the base. I had to put an ad. I had Bible Believers Baptist Church in Imperial Beach, California. I pastored for five years. And uh, Miles McPherson from the San Diego Chargers got the Rock Church out there. 
and you know you can you you can go in any section you want. They got country, they got rock, they got blues, they got rap, and they got Starbucks, and then the other churches are got Dunkin' Donuts, coffee. And I'll put an ad in the paper out there that if I believe in Baptist Church, no donuts, no coffee, no Starbucks, just old path preaching the way God intended the word to be preached. And I'll tell you what. This is what the country needs to do, and this is what individual Christians need to do. You need to get your heart right first, and then you need to pray that God would get your brother's hearts right first next. And then you need to get out there. You need to win some souls to Jesus Christ, and we need to stand for the Lord. We need to stand not what's for right and for what's wrong. A child knows to put his hand on a fire on the stove is wrong. That's not good and evil. We need to discern good and evil. We've got an evil government right now. We have a satanic-run government, and this government, you have a president that would put his hand on the Bible and swear on the Bible to uphold the Constitution of the United States and allow millions of babies to be killed, allow queers to be married, and want to stand up now. They want to pass laws to protect them. And this is outside the word of God. And any kind of man, you see, the problem is they're teaching in our churches that God is love. Hey, listen, two men loving each other is not God. God is love. Love is not God. And it's time for Christians to get pull your bootstraps up and take a stand. You're called to be a soldier for Jesus Christ, a soldier for Christ first, and a soldier for your family, and a soldier to uphold what you believe is correct. And God chose Israel as a nation, and we are the only nation in the world that chose Jesus Christ and the moral standards of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Bible, the scriptures, the holy scriptures, to be the foundation of our nation, which is built into the Constitution of the United States. And it's about time Christians get educated to it and woke up to it. Dartmouth, uh, Yale, listen, they're the Ivy League. They're not the same vine. We come from a different vine. At one time, it was schools of divinity, and they taught, and they required men to go to chapel, and they taught the Constitution, and they taught Bible reading. These things have turned now. The devil has got in there. He's already turned those things. We are suffering from a generation that is godless, a generation where they're teaching our children that you grew up, you evolved from slime. And you came out of the ground, and when you die, you go back to the ground. And so you came from an animal. You are an animal. So when you're in the street killing like an animal, it's okay because you have no hope anyway. That's what they taught our children. That's because the Christians didn't stand up. That's because we let them take the Bible out of the schools. That's because we allowed them to take down the Ten Commandments from our courtrooms and from our government buildings. And because they can't understand separation of church and state, and all that means is that the state doesn't run the church. It doesn't mean that Christians aren't in the government. And so we need an awakening in the country, and yes, we preach it. I preach it in my church. Dr. Massa preaches in Stanford, Connecticut, Landmark Baptist Church. You can go down to uh, Pine Forest Baptist Church in Pensacola, and you'll find Pastor Richard Gadinas down there. You'll find Angel Vasquez in Bible Believers Baptist Church. we got preachers out there that are preaching it. We're preaching it, and we're, we're, we're not educating, we're edifying. And education only lasts in this world, and edification lasts through all eternity. And so I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak here. And, uh, you know, we can differ on a whole lot of things. We can't differ on, on the manner of our salvation. We can't differ on the ordinances of the church. Uh, but, we, sure, we can say, you know, we can differ on when we believe the rapture is going to happen and when we don't, whether it's seven years or, or 42 months. And, you know, I can break that down to you to five 5,220 years. It was uh, 
uh, Sir Robert Anderson that used the astronomical charts uh, and came up with the year 483. In the year 483, Christ comes through into Jerusalem. And uh, mm-hmm. that's when they're, you know, yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. And so uh, that's uh, 483 uh, years, seven years or less. You know, when you look at uh, Leah and uh, Rachel and uh, uh, what, uh, he, Isaac goes out there to, uh, to get his wife, or Jacob, rather, goes out to get the wife, and he, they tell him you have to work one more week, and you find the biblical interpretation of that week is seven years because he worked for seven more years. <laughs> and so you have to, you know, all that ties in. And we don't have that time, and I'm not trying to take command of your program. Your, your, no, but your i got program. a question for you, uh, Dr. Venturb. Now, he also called upon the militias of this country also. And, of course, now we know they're divided. And, of course, you know, of course, I, they, they, we hear this ridicule. of Always, we, we, now I brought it up also with the churches attacking each other, the militias attacking each other. We as Americans attack each other, like you said, arguing over silly things or even being cruel sometimes, for instance. You know, uh, for instance, like, you know, we, we, we do good programs and the devil comes in and attacks us, like these people with the Jew. They say Jesus was a racist. Uh, you know, uh, uh, he wasn't uh, a Jewish um, you know, so with, these are big things and big issues that are dividing. And you see, like you just said it yourself about the Israel. A lot of people are opposing the land of Israel or opposing the uh, real Jew, and they're disinseminating the, or not uh, correlating the fact that there is different types of Jews out there. People that call themselves Jews but are not Jews. You know, so uh, we've had this discussion a thousand times. You know, uh, this message these people out there that 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 just don't. Or even the ones that criticize me, you know, or tear me apart and rip my character apart, you know. Uh, and they all, one more thing. They also brought uh, down a woman. They said there was a thing. There was a woman that comes on this program, uh, uh, Sandy, and they attacked her the other night, um, uh, saying that she was the epitome of the destruction of family because she should not have been in the military. Women should not be in the military. She should be at home with the family. So therefore, we shouldn't be putting her up on a pedestal. You know, stuff like that. Things like that that bother people and it creates division. And I, for one, uh, respect Sandy, and I, I think she's a great woman and a great role model. Um, and, you know, her choice to go in the Air Force and her rank she, you know, did, and, and, and the unfortunate thing of her being fired because of the jab, and, you know, and she's been a hero in my eyes. But, but these people that, that are doing these types of things, you know, what, what could you say to, or, or maybe you know, give a scriptural advice or as a pastor, because that's what the pastor's job is, basically, is to, you know, counsel people. People should go to their pastors and, and, and like you say, submit their, submit to the authority of the pastor. And but the problem is we have so many so much corruption. But take it from there. Well, I, it, what you're bringing is a dynamic question, and uh, it's something that I'm confronted with often. Okay, and and you know, my wife was 20 year Navy, and then she worked for another 10 years helping the vets get their benefits. She's been an honor guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier. We go there once a year with their military organization to present wreaths until Obama threw us out of there. And now we're at the Argonne Cross, of course. But uh, uh, women in the military, listen, you know, cut it out. What, what's, the go- what's the goal here? The goal here is to walk Christ-like. The goal is, is for us to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. My wife fought and has 100% emotionally disabled PTSD. 
she fought for our nation and for the people of our nation because she loved Jesus Christ and the love of God compelled her through compassion to stand up for the Constitution and our freedoms that we enjoy, that God has blessed us with. So, you know, when people say things like that, usually it's a narrow-mindedness. You know, and the other groups that want to pick on Jews and that, I heard them quote uh, on your program and other programs, they go on and they quote the Scripture from the book of Revelation where it says that, that they were of the synagogue of the Jews. Well, they claimed to be Jews. They were not Jews, okay, number one. Number two, uh, um, the other problem is that, you know, it's it's a lack of, of scriptural knowledge and a lack of discernment and a lack of, of the love of Christ. When you love God, we don't look at people in their color. That that's your your I don't go to the supermarket and buy and get a steak and say did this come from a black cow or a white cow. I eat the darn thing. Okay? And so the same thing with Jesus. He didn't come to save skins, he came to save souls. Okay, and so that's that's the proper teaching and the and the edification of the people is that you can't you'll never you're you know the the Pharisees were divided the Sadducees were Sadducee because they didn't believe in the resurrection and there's always going to be uh, sex but when it comes to hate and when it comes to that type of thing listen God hates sin and there are things that God hates but they don't understand what the word hate means they think the word hate means to destroy something and really hate is a disdain for it. Okay, a dislike, an extreme dislike. And so there are things that God doesn't like. The Bible tells you in Proverbs, you know, a proud look, those that shed innocent blood. Okay, and so when you're dealing with these people, you you, you have to uh, understand that they have a lack of knowledge of the love of Christ. And, and you're dealing with people that 85% claim to be and really aren't or, or have never been truly uh, uh, edified and taught in the scriptures about the love of Christ. You know, the Bible says for the elderly women that teach the younger how to love their husbands. Well, why is that? It's because an elderly woman knows, a holy elderly woman knows how to love her husband because she's submitted to her husband, not as a slave, okay? And so when you got guys on there, I tell the guys, you know, and I've got a prison ministry. I've got 38 guys studying for uh, associate's degrees in theology right now that I've, you know, I've got 164 hours on CDs, and that's all they can receive in the prisons. And and so what I tell them is this. You're going to run this race. Every one of us is in this race. We're like horses lined up at the gate. You got your blinders on. You're not going to see the horse next to you. Just keep running. What's the goal? Jesus Christ. Stay on the path. Stay on the old path and just keep running. You and I are not going to solve it. You have to dismiss those people. You have to dismiss the racists. You have to dismiss the haters. You have to dismiss the whoremongers. And you just have to keep pushing forward. Leave, leave them in God's hands and just move forward. You're not going to change their minds. Only the Holy Spirit can. You can plant the word. One man waters, another man, you know, one man plants, another man waters, and God gives the increase. And so you go out, you bring the word to them. And, and listen, when a man rejects the gospel of Jesus Christ, his heart gets hardened. And the more he rejects it, the harder his heart gets. It's as simple as that. And so we're not going to solve the secular world's problems without the intervention of God. And so God Almighty, the man that was on here just speaking and preaching earlier, said the right thing. He said it's correct. We do nothing without the power of God involved. We can do nothing. We can get to that place. We can bring it as far as we can. Okay, just like Moses did. He got to the Red Sea. And then what happened? Once he got there, he could not open the sea himself. The people behind him were still murmuring. They were even his followers. And yet they were still sniveling after all the miracles. And there he, Moses is standing at the Red Sea. 
He's done all he could do. And then God intervenes, and God intervenes. And this, this movement to restore the republic, it must be founded upon the word of God. It must be founded upon the belief that the faithful in God are praying and that they've got their hearts right and that God is going to intervene. And I truly believe that God will intervene. And God will raise up the person that, that is supposed to be there if he has not already raised them. And the people will know because my sheep hear my voice. And when you hear the voice of God through a preacher or through a man of God, you know because you have the Holy Spirit. When they bring those sheep to the well to, to water them, there's a whole lot of uh, uh, shepherds there. And there's a whole lot of sheep. But when that sheep calls, his sheep alone come, not all the other sheep. My sheep know my voice. And we know the voice of God. And so when you get around those people who are not of God, they didn't receive Christ, what makes you think they're going to receive you? Stand your ground, hold your faith, pray, and trust God in it. Pray for those who are leading. Pray for those who are, who are guiding this movement. And pray that God protect them because they have enemies. Yeah. Just like you and I. And, and it's not just the devil. Listen. A man who's saved, he's got the first problem is he's, the, he's become the enemy of Satan. The second problem is he's got his own flesh to deal with. That's another enemy he's dealing with. And then he's dealing with the world because the world is against him. And so we need to pray for these men. We need to pray for these leaders. We need to pray for the men that God has brought forth and given the wisdom to begin this thing and to follow it through. I hope that helps yeah. somehow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anybody hey, else? Yeah, go ahead. I just want to say something real quick. I like this guy. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, that, but we call, pull, put it out there. We got to have the church involved with the republic, you know, and uh, you know, and, and that, that, or the people, in, or the people involved in the church, or the republic involved with the church. Uh, anybody else want to make a quick comment? Because I don't want to keep them here for the entire podcast. But uh, anybody, you know, the ones that have joined here tonight, I was kind of hoping a few, a few others would come on. Uh, uh, anybody else here want to interject? Hurtlers uh, or, or Mr. Uh, Henning or, or somebody? Well, I like you guys. And I, and I think <laughs> the founding father is probably grinning right now. There you go. There you go. Who's thank that you, there? Yep. Um, yeah, thank you, Dr. Vercher. It's a pleasure to to hear uh, you sharing your wisdom and your insight. You know, we all just have to set our heart, and uh, we know that uh, Jesus Christ and our Father God will well turn this. As Justice Waters talked earlier, it's it's really is about, about faith. I've, I've been uh, living in faith throughout my life, and I like some of the statements you said that we're all, we're fighting our flesh, we're fighting the world, you know, we're fighting the devil. Uh, we all just need to set our heart and continue to move forward. Thank you, sir. I yield. All right. Well, I think, I think, Joe, we need to keep the armor of God on. I think the problem is is that people only put the armor of God on when they go to church, and then they take mm -hmm. it off and they get, and now they drop that armor of God. And we need to keep that armor of God on 24-7, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We need to be able to, to quench the fiery darts that are being thrown at us. All, all the doubts, 
you know, discouragement, and I'm sure you've all heard it before, is the sharpest tool in the devil's shed, discouragement. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to discourage the people from the movement. He wants to discourage people by telling them that you, it's not going anywhere, nothing's happening. All you're hearing is rhetoric over and over, the same rhetoric. And in a sense, you know what, we have heard a lot over and over again. But sometimes, you know, that's how we learn. The Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And as long as they keep coming back, they're going to hear it. And sooner or later, it's either, either going to be with it or they're going to depart. You know, they came out from among us because they were not of us. It's as simple as that. But if God's in it, he's going to move the right people in the right places. Back when they built the uh, tabernacle, God called those people to rot the gold. Those men never even had done any artwork in gold. Yet God said he would give them the wisdom to do it, and they did it. It didn't come from anybody teaching them the skills but God. And so God, would, when God raises people up, he gives them the skill. When he calls a man to pastor, he gives them the gift to pastor. When he calls them to be an evangelist, he gives them the gift to be an evangelist. When he calls Gideon, Gideon gets up. When he calls David, David got up. And you know what? God, God has a plan. And so we need to submit and to call upon the Lord. And God will, God will work this out. But it, it, listen, and it doesn't, it doesn't, listen, it doesn't require millions of people. What it requires is faithful people. And because you know, Elijah was a faithful man, he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. One prayer, one man. So think what we could do as brethren in Christ, join together in a, in a solid, holy stand on the word of God for what's good and not evil. Don't ever think that God's not hearing our voice. And, and hey, Mr. Pastor? Hurtler. Yeah, I was wondering, Mr. Hurtler, uh, David was there. He, I know he a couple times uh, wanted to interject with Mr. Ventura, and he was gone. I don't know if he's still there or not. But but go ahead, Roger, real quick, if you got something you want to say. No, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Oh, I, this oh. is David. Let, let me say something here. Okay, the 501c3 was, was it started going back to 1954, and it was because of Lyndon Baines Johnson who was a high-degree Mason. Because of him, the domino effect happened, 501c3. All churches were tax-exempt. But people have embraced the 501c3 all of these years because of a Freemason, okay? Lyman Beecher, the father of Harriet Beecher, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, he said this in the spirit of the pilgrims in 1831, the government of God is the only government which will hold society against depravity within and temptation without, and this it must do by the force of its own law written upon the heart. This is that unity of spirit and that bond of peace which can alone perpetuate national purity and tranquility. That law of universal and impartial love by which alone nations can be kept back from ruin. There is no safety for republics. But, listen to me now, but, he said this, but in self-government, under the influence of a holy heart, swayed by the government of God. I'm almost done. When Finney, the leader of the Second Great Awakening, he said this, he said the church, this is coming against 501c3, the church must take right ground in regards to politics. The time has come for Christians to vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics. 
or the Lord will curse them. God cannot sustain this free and blessed country, which we love and pray for, unless the church will take right ground. Politics are part of religion in such a country as this, and Christians must do their duty to their country as part of their duty to God. Listen to me now. This is what Finney said. God will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in regards to politics. You in the church, all of you clergy, you have a beautiful marriage ready to take place. You have a government, a republic. If you go back to 1776, they built a republic on Christianity without Christianity. You can't have virtue, and without virtue, you can't have religious liberty or civil liberty. Okay? So what we need, we need to come away from 501c3, and we need to embrace what Finney said, what the scriptures are saying. This is a marriage between the church, the people, the believers of God, the clergy across this land from Los Angeles to New York, to embrace the republic, which was based on Christianity in 1776. Bring it back. Walk away. Okay, from okay, yeah, David. Okay, yeah, I know. But so, what are you saying though about the 501c3? I mean, because I know Dr. I'm, Ventura and I have had I'm, conversations. Well, I'm saying. Oh, don't talk about politics in this church. Oh, no, we don't want to talk about politics in this church. No, no, no. We don't talk about any candidates that are running for Senate, for representatives, or Chris. We don't talk about any candidates here. Keep your mouth we, shut. This is what happened we, with LBJ. We, now, uh, we, we forget the 501c3 and embrace the republic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Built. Yeah, we got that, but we're just uh, – go ahead, Dr. Ventura. Well, go we ahead. Do. We do. We, we, we'll preach whatever we want in our church. We don't care what anybody says. Hey, you don't like it? The highway runs two ways. You want to put us in jail? We'll have a great prison ministry. Hey, how about that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. Here's the problem with it, okay? First of all, uh, if I want to get married in the state, i got to have a license, okay? Now, do I get the license or do I not? Well, that depends. Now I'm jammed up because I can't get certain rights and certain credits and I can't do certain things. So now I'm limited, but I'm going to follow the word of God. And so I'm not going to get a license. Well, do I have to wear a seatbelt? Well, now I'm arrested and I'm fighting this thing from prison. Okay, so you have to choose and pick your battles in the right place. Now, you say 501c3s in this state and in California, if I want to have a church and I want to have a building, i got to be registered with the state. And if I'm not, they'll come in and shut me down. I had a church in my house. They came and shut me down. I had a church outside in my carport. I had 10 pews that I picked up from the oldest church in California in Rolando, and I was there. The city came in and shut me down. So now I'm sitting there. I can't have a, I can't have a church at my house. Where, where are we going to meet? I need a building. I need a place for the children. I need a safe place for everybody. So now i got to go down. i got to file as a nonprofit. So I go to the state, and I get a nonprofit license, okay, under the state of California. Well, under Title uh, 1829, the IRS code, it says I'm automatically a 501C. I didn't even have to file a paper. I automatically qualified. Now I have to – the only thing that the difference is that I didn't get a letter stating it. And most people don't, you know, most people will pay the $800 and get the letter so that a large donor, they can, you know, get their tax deduction, you see. So the problem, so that's our problem, number one. So uh, we, we, you know, in our church, I preach what I want to preach. 
I preach what God tells me to preach and nothing else. And if God tells me to preach that Joe Biden's a, a you know, a low life and an and evil person, and which he is, and uh, Schumer, I'm not preaching from the pulpit. If they want to come in and shut me down and come on in and shut me down. I'll find another building, another church, another place, another city, another town if I have to. But that 501c3, then yeah, you're right. It, it restricts you from saying things about politicians and things like that. And, and you know what? Hey, listen, all these guys that think they're sliding by that stuff that have a corporation or church incorporated in, in, in a state, they're automatically 501c3, whether they want it to be or not. So they didn't escape it, in case anybody was wondering. But I, I don't care what the government thinks. I'm going to preach what God tells me to preach. That's the pastor and preacher that I am. And it doesn't matter whether whether I, you know, I, yeah, I got a license from the state of Connecticut to, to own a building, to rent a building, and to have a church. And I'm registered out here. I have to be. Otherwise, I don't have a building or a church uh, unless I have it in my house. And then they'll come and raid my house and tell me to get out of my house. Okay? So... Uh, you know, and you say to yourself, what's the lesser of the two evils? Well, listen, I'm able to get the gospel message out, and I'm preaching what the Lord tells me to preach. And it doesn't matter what that license says, and it doesn't matter any of that. It matters to them, but it doesn't matter to me. I'm a man of God, and I'm going to stand on the Word of God. Anybody want to comment on that? David? Amen. This is Roger. Roger, Roger, go ahead. Hey, Pastor, first of all, I served in the Marines and the Navy my my life. So do me a favor and and tell your wife thank you for her service. Well, thank uh, you. I was in the Navy myself. Uh, honor is due. We're honor. You know, we give honor to those that deserve it. And when you serve that long, you deserve honor. There's just no other way to put it. Now, is this 501c3 thing is going to be a problem with the republic? I mean, because I, I know we, we've talked about There will be no 501c3 in the there republic. One fight. Hey, amen. There, there will be none at all. There will be no yeah. IRS. So we don't have to worry about it. Amen. Yep. I mean, it's that simple. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, there will right. be a lot of things in, in the republic that you see now. Um, but, but my question was this, Roger. My question was this, though, is we have pastors that want to be a part of the – support the republic, but they are 501c3 churches. And I know everyone goes out there and they bash them or they say, no, you should, you can't be. You can't be a 501c3 because you're serving okay. two gods. I mean – I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, right now, no, it's not a problem. I'm going to tell you why. All of us, in one way or another, we're living in this government. We have to have a driver's license. You got to put your seatbelt on. You got to pay your taxes. I mean, you do God no good dead, and you don't do him much good in prison unless you want a prison ministry. Okay. <laughs> so, other than that, uh, you have to follow their laws to operate, right? So, yeah. no. In right now, today. If a pastor is a 501c3, that doesn't make any difference with the understanding that once the republic is stood up, they don't have to be under that. That's there right. won't be any IRS to force that on people. There won't be All no right. Congress in D.C. to make laws to make you do that. Okay? okay. That's the thing that, that pastors need to understand. We understand right, right now you have to operate in that. I have to have a driver's license if I want to drive. Okay, so, I mean, real quick you know, here. We're all there. 
Yeah, we got so no, that. Okay, that's so not a problem. No, you make clear. You make clear on that. Okay, the driver's license thing and whatnot. Well, uh, real quick, the, um, the real quick, the what's what's the difference between? I got a pastor here on the uh, minutes message. It's a message right now. He's from uh, New Mexico, actually. Um, uh, he's uh, asked the question. Well, what's the difference between the Republic and the Continental Congress and the other groups out there throughout the years that have stood up and said, "Hey, we are we're we're self-governing. We, we're." Full government, where you know what? What's the, what makes the the difference that the republic that the people should choose the republic or side with the republic? You know, uh, yeah, he's got about forty five people at his church in his church there in New Mexico. He's a Baptist. Uh, he is a five hundred one c three too. He says. Uh, so, what's the difference here? The difference is very simple. It's just one step. We delivered paperwork under international law. To the agencies around the world that we needed to deliver that to. No other group in America had ever done that. Now, they can claim that they've done this and done that, but they've not taken it to The Hague, they've not taken it to the UN, they've not taken it to the Joint Chiefs, and they've not taken it to the Postal Service. That's what we've done. So we're next in line to stand up for the government of this nation when the corporation goes down. So all these other groups... We want them on board. We're all fighting for the same goal, okay? But we have officially registered with uh, the Hague to let the world know we are here and we are waiting to take our spot. That's the difference. All right. All right. Dr. Yeah, Ventura, yeah. you wanted to say something? Yeah, two things I wanted to say. No, uh, and then I want to uh, – the first thing I want to say is Jesus told them – you know, when he said, uh, you know, who do the children of this world pay taxes to? You know, and and they turned around and they said, well, you know, Caesar. And he said, whose inscription is on the coin? Caesar's. We're sojourners. We're just passing through here. Okay, so give the Caesars what's Caesar's. All right, in that sense. You know, everybody's paying taxes. There's no hiding in the bushes here. The other thing I wanted to say about uh, what was just said, uh, and that's important, Yeah. About the restoration, I think it would help if you could explain it briefly. Maybe I don't know if you can. The difference, what, what most people don't understand. There's the corporation, and then there's the real republic. And I don't think they understand that. I don't think that 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 people get that. When you say the corporate government, they're not understanding that. They don't even understand why they get their you know their mail with the capital letters. So maybe you could expound, and that would help that pastor. There you go. Well, um, I'll tell you what. Maybe next week we will go into that because that takes a while to go through that. You just don't. In other words, that's not a thirty-second answer. <laughs> you know. Right. No. Okay. Um, no. All right. Well, can you give like maybe a brief, uh, the best way, a synopsis, sure. or maybe Governor Henning sure. or or someone maybe just outline it, maybe where you know where you can give you know foundation to it. This sure. is Gene Hurtler. Could could I interject oh, oh, there? Okay, yeah, Gene. There you go. Gene's yeah, very Gene. well versed in this, actually. Very well versed. Wrote two books, Reinhabited. Uh, so very good. Go ahead, Gene. Thank you, sir. So we can make this real brief and just say that during the Civil War times, and and our enemy had infiltrated the American Republic, and was trying to cause division. And we understand division in these modern days. That's how they do it. And they caused a division in our country back in those days, and and it came out in a civil war. Well, during that time and in the Reconstruction era, which 
consists of part of the Civil War years and going beyond that to 1877, um, the only way, because the Southern state representatives in Congress uh, exited, they seceded, so to speak, uh, they seceded their states from the Union of States, and then the representatives in Congress left Congress, it left a void um, in those seats in Congress, it left a rump Congress, it means there was not a full Congress. And so, according to the Constitution, Congress could not run fully. So what President Lincoln had to do was operate out of the executive branch of the government. And that's what he did to keep the government going and to hold the union of states together in that time. And there is every evidence that he intended to restore the republic government um, as the Civil War ended, but they murdered him before he was able to do that in law, and I'm talking about in law. So when the southern uh, states, the slave power, and their congressional members from those southern states uh, so-called seceded, which lawfully they could not secede from from the Union of States, and I won't get into that right now, but they could not. They left a void in Congress, left a rump Congress, and with a rump Congress you can't pass laws. So Lincoln operated out of the executive branch, okay. and it was the executive government. And what, what happened is when they murdered him, then they went forward while while uh, the United States was still in that mode, and it was a, a series through 70 years where they transitioned it into a corporate democracy that went forward going through the Gilded Age, the, the last sector of years in the 1800s, and then to the Progressive Era that began in 1890 going forward. They moved towards socialism and uh, this was not the American Republic. The American Republic was put in dormancy in the Reconstruction era. They went forward with a different kind of government, with a democracy. Dr. Benjamin Rush, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, a rock star type of founding father, said democracy is the devil's own government. And we see that today. We're experiencing the devil's government today. We need to restore the government and in 2010, some brilliant men and women that, that worked, Joe, you were part of that in the Restore American yep. Plan, uh, that went back even before 2009. There were, there were military that were, that were working with patriot leaders out there, and they got a plan. Yep. Yes, sir. And, and even before that, and I, and I have that from recently from a, 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 a validated source, that that there's been a plan going for a very long time and very um, brilliant men and women have been behind this going back really even to the era of JFK. Okay. And, and I won't go down that alley, but I'll just say it's been a plan for a long time and it moves forward. And in 2010 in law, using the law of nations, which is international law, it's, it's accepted, acknowledged all over, has been for a very long time, and they followed it. It was a miracle that notice was served on the organizations that Roger brought up. 
and that there is proof of service. And this was done on behalf of the American people. So it's not on behalf of a group. It's on behalf of the American people so that when the Federal Reserve collapses and then the corporate, uh, the corporation, the democracy collapses along with the, Fe- the Federal Reserve, the U.N. cannot come on our soil and take, um, um, what do you call that in bankruptcy? They, they can't take the assets of the American people, their bodies, their children, and their assets. They cannot do that because law has already been served on behalf of the American people that the republic has been taken out of dormancy in law and is working toward being restored. So that's the difference. That's the law. It's been done in law. There's proof of service, and it's so for if, the Jean, American so if, people. So if, if, if these people did not do this in 2010 and this plan did not begin, if this was to happen, this is the problem with the banker bailout, and this is why they keep feeding each, off of each other. If these people did not do that, who owns most of the land over here? China. Uh, uh-huh. The United States would be divided up amongst the world because if the Federal Reserve was yes. to collapse and the United States government collapsed because it's a de facto yes. corporation, and the corporation would be absorbed into the rest of the world. And then, the, and, yes. and then the, these countries would come over here and claim their assets, which would be us, our birth certificates. Our, uh, right. it, yes, but it can't do and that the, now. Yeah. The White Hats knew, the military knew back in those years that the corporation is insolvent. The Federal Reserve is insolvent. It was designed to collapse. It was designed for this point in time because the rulers of evil, the Luciferians, always believed that they were going to keep dominion. They were going to keep domination over the people. They look at us as useless eaters. They wanted to keep dominion, but their lease is up. And and, and this all goes into the Bible, and I, I won't go down that alley right now. We've covered that pretty well, but it's prophetic. And so it's the people of God that need to stand this up because it was the people of God, the pilgrims and then the Puritans that established the law form that germinated forward to the Declaration of Independence with the Founding Fathers that is a covenant with the creator of the universe, the supreme judge of the of uh, the land, uh, divine providence, nature's God. It's always been about God's people. The book of Acts never finished. There's not a closing on the book of Acts. And if we want to find God in history, we just follow his people. And we can do that by following the pilgrims and their journey, which has not been taught since before the Second World War and really since the Progressive Era. They, they took our true history that was taught for 300 years on this land and this nation, and it was taught from the pulpit, and it was taught in school. They took it out, and they replaced it, and they did it with the method of gradualism, with socialism. So us baby boomers, if you're born between 1946 and 1964, you're a baby boomer, you were not taught the truth, nor were our parents, and more than likely our grandparents weren't. All, my grandparents were all immigrants to this nation in the late 1800s to the early 1900s. They were not taught this. So, you know, the sins of the fathers, so our, wherever our founding fathers failed, 
and they knew they did. It's in their writings. It's in their words. They knew they failed. They weren't able to, because the slave power opposed them at every angle. They knew that judgment was going to come on the nation. And I can tell you for 300 years, the early Americans believed in the millennial reign of Christ. So Darby and Schofield in the late 1800s that were financed by Rothschild um, and the rapture theory and all of that, that did not come about until the end of that well, century. Well, hang on now. Hang uh, on. There's, there's proof. Hang on, Gene. There's doctrinal, doctrinal historical proof that that, uh, that, this doc, that doctrine was taught before uh, the um, 1850s and 1870s uh, uh, and 1890s and stuff. Because that's what I see a lot of people say that. Joe, that wasn't taught in the early church days. And Dr. Ventura can testify that his studies through theological studies, and, and we don't want to get into a, a, a scriptural doctrinal argument, but, you know, because that will divide us, and we're not going to seek our original goal here is with to win right. souls. Because the most important thing right. to do is win people over to Christ, you know, uh, but uh, um, Dr. Ventura, real quick, because I know we brought up the rapture theory, and the rapture can cause a huge argument. It's done it between me and Dr. Ventura many times, and other pastors, have, and, you know. You, have, <laughs> you, have, you know, you have dispensational yeah, I, I, I would from have 50, to see that history, but I'm, okay. I'm willing to listen uh, I'll to I'll give it. you some names. Uh, 1575, a man named William Gouge uh, was a dispensational uh, Pierre Piero, 1646, Isaac Watts, 1674. And you get into John Taylor of Norwich, 1694, John Fleischer, 1729. So long before C.I. Schofield and, and Darby, John Nelson Darby, J.N. Darby, he doesn't come around until the 1800s. He was of the Plymouth Brethren. And, you know, and he writes the pre, and he wrote the preface for, uh, excuse me, the preface for uh, Schofield. But prior to him, there were many dispensationalists and so, you know, when you read Isaiah 61, and Jesus is quoting that, and he gets to that comma, and he doesn't quote the end of the verse. He doesn't quote the end of the verse because, and, and, and because the, 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 the end time is stopped because the church age is inserted in there between that comma. There's 2,000 years there when you study that out, if you study Luke 4, 8, and what, and what he's quoting at Isaiah, because he doesn't quote it all the way through. You see, and here's the other problem. They say there's no dispensationalism, but here's a clear example of dispensationalism. Okay, first of all, Galatians says if an angel comes preaching any other gospel, let him be cursed. That's what Paul said. If if even an angel came and preached anything other than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, let him be cursed. You get to Revelation chapter 14, and you find an angel preaching the everlasting gospel. It's not the same gospel. How come he's not cursed? He's not cursed because he's in a different dispensation. He's in the tribulation. He's not in the church age. It, well, that's I, a good you know example. what? I'm, I'm open to looking at that, but I also see the, the scriptures about Isaiah 58:12, where rebuilding the old waste places, and Daniel 2:44, that in the days of these kings, that's that's in the end times and last days, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And Daniel seven eighteen. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, 
last even forever and ever. And Daniel 7.22, until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. And Daniel 7.27, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So we're looking at a millennial reign here. You know, yes, we compare the scriptures with the scriptures. The millennium reign is part of the dispensationalism. After the tribulation, you have a thousand-year reign. There's no question Amen. about it. Okay, Amen. So you, and and, yeah, and so the republic right. is part of that because it's a godly government. The founding fathers called it the model government. Why did they call it the model government? Because it was God's government, and they knew that, that the greatest was to be servant. They knew that they were to serve the other nations, to bring the gospel to the other nations, so that they could live in the jurisdiction of liberty also. So the American republic has not only a national purpose, but a, a prophetic destiny. And, okay, and hang, on, is, hang on. Uh, yeah, all right, so hang on. i got a question about that for the government now. Now, hang on a second. Now, that's where we can get into a little bit of a divide here. Now, what government is she talking about, Peter? Uh, wait, wait, she ta- is she talking about the republic? Or what can you can – because you, Gene let, brings let up a great point. Let me answer that, Joe. Let, let me answer my, your question on what I said. That's God's government. And John Adams even said it um, uh, when he spoke on, on the government, his thoughts on government. Uh, there's a paper published on his thoughts on government. It's the divine science of God's government. That's what they were referring to. It's all over John Adams' writings. They knew. And even Samuel Adams talked about um, after they voted on the Declaration of Independence uh, around July 4th, they didn't sign it till like August 2nd. And he gave a speech on August 1st before the State House, and he said, this day we have restored uh, the sovereign to whom all men ought be obedient. And from the rising to the setting of the sun, let his kingdom come. They knew that they were bringing God's government on the earth. That's why they called it the new world. And they wanted the old world to stay away, you know, the the, uh, Monroe Doctrine. Don't come in our hemisphere because they knew that this hemisphere was for the setting up of God's government, the jurisdiction of liberty. That's where liberty comes from. It's okay, God's okay, government. Dr. Ventura, can you, can you comment on that, please? Well, it says the millennium reign. Jesus Christ is reigning from Jerusalem, from his throne. Uh, now, you know, I, after the tribulation, we I know that hang on, hang on, Gene. Let him, fin- let him finish. Let me finish his point, and then you can answer. Go ahead, Doctor Ventura. This is interesting. I know, I know that. First of all, uh, one thing I would suggest that everybody read is the Seder Olam Rabbah. And after you read the Seder Olam Rabbah, you'll understand why the Jews miss what they missed, and why they didn't receive Christ. And it's still taught in the synagogues today. Okay. And so when you're talking about we are that government. I, I'm not finding that in the scriptures. Yeah, we, we have a place in that government. I know that it says all nations come against Israel, and Israel gets surrounded in the end time, all nations. But there are the sheep and the goat nations, and there's a judgment. And perhaps uh, uh, we fit in that where we'll be the sheep nation. And, and in that judgment, we, we won't suffer because we haven't turned our back on Israel at that point. But who knows where we go? You know, we'll see where the republic is when we get there, I guess. 
You know, Dr. Ventura, you know, in Galatians, it talks about that that the old Jerusalem, um, it's referred to, Paul referred to old Jerusalem as, um, um, not Sarah, but um, I'm having a brain cramp here for a moment. The old Jerusalem rejected Christ and and the bondwoman. Um, help me with the name, please. It's, that's not Sarah. The new Hagar. Jerusalem is Sarah. Hagar. So, Hagar. Thank you, Joe. So, so the old Jerusalem is Hagar. They rejected Christ. So we're looking for Sarah, the promise. And and so we have to, you know, yeah, Jesus is going to set foot on the Mount of Olives. But does Jesus not travel? You know, and and to bring in the millennial reign, we set up his government for him. So when he returns, it's set up. And, and Acts chapter 3, verses 20 to 21 says that Jesus must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things. So there's a ministry that we have to do to prepare for him for his return. And that's the old Israel that you're talking about. For 300 years in America, they viewed themselves as the new Israel. They viewed themselves as the American Israel. They knew that they had the new covenant. They had the New Testament. And they set up God's government on this continent. I yield. All right, hang on. All right, Dr. Ventura, can you comment on that, please? Biblically, please give me some verses here or something. <laughs> well, no, I'm just... I, I, I see it differently. I, I don't see it. We're not kingdom builders. We're not building. It all goes down, and it goes down. And such will be his tribulation as never was before on the earth. And so that's how I see it. Uh, I don't see it that way. I see when you're reading Matthew 24, it's quite clear on that. And, you know, Matthew 20, what happened was there was a timeline. And I, I don't see saying an old Jerusalem, a new Jerusalem. He's coming through the east gate of Jerusalem. In fact, if you study Deborah's song, the path of the Christ's return is he starts at Sinai and he comes up the right side of the Jordan and he comes into Jerusalem from the east side. That's why the Muslims went over there and they, they sealed up the east gate to say, well, now he can't get in. You know, how silly that is. But, yeah, I just made it there. And I think that if you read the Seder all on Rabbah, you know, there's a timeline. You have to understand there's two timelines here. The timeline was that you, you had the Jews who were to accept their Christ. If they had accepted Christ, and he still had to go to the cross, he still has to go, and the sins of the world have to be paid for. Okay, so, so we have Christ has got to go to the cross, and then what's the next event after that is the tribulation. So that's why Jesus said, except those days be shortened. Well, how long were they shortened? Well, they were shortened, we know, by at least 120 days because it's in the upper room. It was 120 days in the upper room. But So the timeline would have been the Jews would have received Christ. He would have went to the cross. They'd have been in, in tribulation. But what happened was they didn't receive Christ, and they didn't receive Christ because they're not thinking of a Savior in the manner they were thinking. They're looking for land because that's the promise in Deuteronomy that they're going to have the land, you know, the curses and the promise from Mount Gerizim and Mount Sinai. And so what you, what you end up with is, is that uh, uh, you end up with a, a period of time where God inserts his church age. And that's why Paul said all of Israel is not lost. God has a remnant. There's a remnant. Amen. And, you know, Amen. You know, you know, and there's some guys, you know, look at British Israelism, trying to teach, say, you know, we are the Jews, you know, and that the 12 tribes were lost. And, and you know, and it's the biggest lie going in the world. And, and these pastors are falling for that nonsense. Paul said he was of the tribe of Benjamin. So if the 12 tribes were lost, what was Paul doing? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you know, you just have to 
really look at the scriptures, but the timeline in Daniel and understand, I, I wrote a book on it. I, I have it here. I, I just haven't had a chance to get it out there. Uh, it's sitting here. And I, and I also uh, wrote a, you know, uh, a thing on uh, the gap down there in Genesis 1-1. But uh, again, um, you know, we have to, we got to be careful what we're, where we're going with prophecy because we can over prophesy prophecy. Uh, that that's one of the problems. I, I believe this. I believe that after the tribute, right after the tribulation, you have the battle of Armageddon, and after and, and Joel chapter two is the army of the Lord that comes back, and that's us with Him, and His heavenly host. And then there's you know there's the rapture, but there's a revelation. Peter talks of the revelation of Jesus Christ, and so in the Song of Solomon, when you're reading chapter two, there's that rapture. He calls them up. And it says that his her beloved is behind the lattice, and the scripture says that not, you know when we when the rapture occurs, not everybody sees him, just the saved are gone. And then at the revelation of Jesus Christ, everybody sees him because the heavens open like a scroll, and he's on a white horse. And then that army comes back, and after Armageddon, then the Lord sets up his kingdom, that millennium reign you're talking about for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. But he's mm-hmm. and he pulls from Jerusalem, you know. It, you know, and I got into it with the Palestinians one time. We were talking. They said, well, you know, the land of Palestine. Listen, the land, there's no such thing as a country of Palestine. It was a land, and it was ruled by 25 kings. Arafat himself was not a Palestinian. He was an Egyptian. His wife was a Roman Catholic, okay, and he's leading the Palestinian Liberation Army. And so when Jesus told Moses, I mean, when God told Moses from the burning bush to take off his shoes, he's on holy ground. That means ground, that means something holy, the word, that's the first time it appears in the Bible. And under the doctrine of prime mention, usually the way a word appears, it stays the same through the Bible. Not always, but most of the time. And so the word holy meant something separated unto God. That land that Moses was standing on is holy. It's separated unto God. It doesn't belong to the Arabs. It belongs to the Jews. As simple as that. That's biblical. Okay. All right, uh, that's it. you know, see these doctrinal perspectives and 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 deep convictions. Though, uh, even though tonight is very civilly discussed, uh, which is awesome, uh, people can learn from. So, what do we take from it in the end? Because, uh, hang on, someone wants to speak here. Oh, oh, there he is. Uh, where are you? Uh, hang on, he wants to speak. Well, you got to press one on your area code there. Your area code. What's your area code? Uh, he says, "Let me speak, Joe." We, I need you got to press one. Uh, uh, let's see. I don't know his area code. Um, what's what's your area code there? He's got to press one. He's got his hand up. Somebody's got his hand up. Uh, oh boy, let me hang on. Somebody's got. I know who this is. Huh? Hand up. Yeah. Does he got his hand up? Can you unmute him? Or is, is everyone's unmuted? Go ahead. I think there he goes. There you got to press one. He didn't know. Okay, go ahead. Three oh five. Go ahead. Go ahead. Three oh five. Go ahead. Sorry about that. You got to press one. I'm sorry, I didn't announce that. I should have announced it. Usually I do. Sorry. Okay, hey, Joe. Yes. Go Can ahead. You hear me? Yes. Okay. Great. Get it. It's Mike in uh, Miami, and I, if, if uh, Judge Waters is still on, I believe that Judge Waters understands the. Caucasian, Aryan, Anglo-Saxons to be the true Israel. I believe he understands that. Is he there where he can confirm that? I I got Judge Waters, but I also have Dr. Peter Ventura on with me. He's a pastor uh, of uh, Bible – excuse me. He's got a church, um, and I've got uh, Gene Hurtler also. We've got many people on from the Republic here, and I've got so many people on the line, but uh, I don't know what's – so you want to pose a question here on the platform? Yeah, I've actually been listening to you guys since you started. Um, oh, okay. A lot of a lot of 
interesting things were said. Um, so a lot of things came to mind. One of the things that struck me the most is, I guess what I wanted to say is, anybody, there's all this talk about God and love and loving God and, and hate and love, and obviously there's 2,000 different denominational sects within Christianity. So it, it just, I can sit here and give my understanding of, you know, the, the so-called rapture in the 1,000 years because it's different than anything anybody's discussed tonight. But I would first want to say that, Anybody who truly, genuinely acknowledges the Creator, Lord God Almighty, divine, they must acknowledge who and what the Creator is and what the Creator created, that, that the Creator created man, and the Creator created woman, and he created man to be man, and he created woman to be woman. He created Amen. all of the unique, beautiful, different races of humanity. Anybody that believes in God must believe that. So Amen. I, I think that the enemy, and we probably all agree on pretty much who the enemy is, the enemy has done a great job. Uh, a few people mentioned the word division. You know, there, you have. There's a lot of division going on. And a lot of that division is based on false concepts concerning race and false ideas concerning, you know, take the, the, the role of a woman, for instance, right? You mentioned Sandy. You know, she was on our show the other night. I absolutely salute Sandy, applaud Sandy, and I've seen any woman that's a, that's a pilot it has, has achieved a tremendous uh, accomplishment without question. But to the extent that let's look at now, say, the enemy who is behind all the media, behind the movies, the TV programs, the shows, and they are pushing women into these positions of, you know, shaving their hair off, being a Navy steel, having a big gun in their hand, and putting tattoos in their butch killers. That's not what God created women to be. He created them to be maternal and soft and loving and lovers, um, not to be, you know, militant, butch, murderers. That's not what God created women to be. So sure. there is a fine line be between saying, yes, we can respect and appreciate any woman who, for whatever reason, stepped up to go the route of, you know, making such an accomplishment as being a, a, an Air Force or Navy pilot. And there are many women who have done that. But it can, it can equally be argued that the, the, the roles of women, uh, the, the racial controversies that exist, have been pushed into this world, which is upside down and backwards. What is good is bad. What is bad is good. Everything is upside down in this world. So it's equally fair to say, you know, if we're going to pursue a true love of God, and earlier the, 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 the doctor mentioned, you know, the reality that God didn't create men to be with men. That You know, a man says he loves a man. That's not what God created. So this whole notion of, you know, homosexuality and transgenderism needs to be something that if you don't accept it, you're hateful, you're, you're a bigoted racist, is all part of their psyop to confuse people. So it really comes down, this whole conversation, to the simple statement that we all say so often, evil will prevail when good men and women do nothing. And the only way to know what evil truly is, is to acknowledge the creator, God Almighty, divine, who created all things and putting those things into their proper place for what they are. And the race issue is, to, to me, one of my favorite ones to discuss because I fully understand where the enemy has come with that. They have literally got people ashamed and, and, and like a dog with their tail be, be between their legs thinking, oh, no this, this isn't, no, no, this isn't about race. No, color of skin doesn't matter. Race isn't about color of skin. Race is about all the, all the differences 
of, of humanity. The Chinese are unique with their hairstyle and their facial features and their bone structure. Negro black, Negroids are completely unique and beautiful in their own right with the way that they were designed and created. So while I think that I've spoken with Judge Waters on the phone a couple times, he even referenced it early on here about the Caucasians, about Israel, the, the true Israel, the original Israel that traveled into the Caucasus Mountains and came out and, and created all of these different nations, but this mainstream concept of that little piece of land over there called Israel, people think that's Israel, that little nation state. Like, oh, that's them. There's the great Jews that we must all acknowledge as being where Jesus came from, when that's not the case at all. Jesus Christ himself was an Aryan. He was white. He was Caucasian. There are actual depictions yeah. of him by Pontius, by Pontius Pilate and several others who stated he had light blue eyes and a golden brown hair, and he was a beautiful man to, to behold. So th these, when you bring these realities up and you start talking about the Adamites, those of us who came from Adam and Eve, not all human beings came from Adam and Eve. The Israelites, the white Caucasian Aryans came from Adam and Eve because, again, God created all of the creation. He created all of the unique different races of people. And the Adamites came here for a reason, and they failed. They faltered. And I won't get into the cryptics of, of you know, uh, Genesis and the Garden of Eden because it's cryptic. It's not literal. But that's another thing. You know, part of the division is all these different people. Some people take a, a literal interpretation of the Bible. Others understand it symbolically. Others understand it cryptically. So I will I say this just for the record, just last thought to share a thought, because it may be true, but it still doesn't matter to me, because ultimately I think that we, the people, need to stand up and take action to retrieve our God-given inalienable rights of liberty and responsible freedom. But I will say that having studied for 15 years with the best of the best, my great-granddaddy was a Baptist preacher, um, I studied with them all, the Seventh-day Adventists, the Latter-day Saints, the, 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 all of them. That was my life from 15 years of age to 30. And I will tell you that what absolutely is a very biblical-based concept of this thousand years and this thing about rapture is simply this. This world is sinful. It's full of, of sin and godlessness. And that there's a day when Christ Jesus Yeshua is going to return, and he's going to return in the clouds in glory. And when he returns, the wicked will be destroyed by the beauty and splendor and glory of his coming. And those of us, according to 2 Thessalonians 4.16, will be caught up to meet the Lord air and will return for a thousand years into the heavenly realms. Everybody on this earth was destroyed by the glory of his coming. It says, where the, where the bodies lay, so shall the vultures gather and for a thousand years, we'll be in the heavenly realm looking at the history of why, who made it, and who didn't make it, and, and seeing the answers of everything, why this okay. person made it and why that person didn't. And then yes. we will return with the new Jerusalem that will be brought down upon the earth. The wicked will rise up. They will be resurrected, the second resurrection. They will rise up against that city, and they will all be judged at that point, at which time fire will come down from heaven. I'm just sharing that because, yeah. again, like I said, no, we're interested in hearing what you have to say. No, Mike, that was that was good. But can the doctor interject here? And then I see Sarge here also on the line. He wants to interject. So, but go ahead, doctor, real quick, and because uh, I want yeah. everyone to have a you know, say because we're you know okay. But go ahead, doctor. He wants to refute that. Or... Yeah. 
I got I, I'll address that prophetically. I have a little knowledge myself. I I studied a little bit. I have a doctorate in religious education and world religion. I studied a little bit. Know some things. And uh, prophetically, when Jacob was blessing his sons, the twelve tribes, there's a prophecy that says Japheth would inherit the tents of Shem. And we know that Shem went east. And that would be the Chinese and them in that area. And we know that Japheth went to Europe. Okay. And what happened? The European came over. Where, how did Japheth get to North America? Through the Bering Strait. So Japheth, Shem would inherit, Japheth would inherit the tents of Shem. Shem came to the to North and South America that way, and the Europeans came, and what did they do? They conquered the Shemites, who were what? The American Indians, okay? That's biblical. That's prophetic. The other problem is this, with British-Israelism. The man who started the British-Israelism, Armstrongism, his son has taken over his church and repented of that doctrine, in case you were wondering about that. If you didn't know that. And when they did that, they split into a dozen splinter groups. And some still hold to that. Some don't. Like the Queen of England, who's you know, has a stone underneath her throne that supposedly Jacob slept on. And so we have to be careful on what we're saying and what we're teaching. Because it doesn't teach in the Bible. Jerusalem's anywhere else but where Jerusalem is. It doesn't teach that Jerusalem's yeah, in America, not. and it doesn't teach that Jerusalem's where anywhere else. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. And so we we can play the prophetic game, but pro- prophecy is fulfilled as far as Japheth and Shem go. Okay? Yeah, with, with all due respect. All, God did create well, all the race. God did create all the people. God did create men to be men. I mean, even Walmart knows that. They have a men and a boy section. You know, And I agree with you in those things. Okay, but I think that, again, if, if you haven't read the Seder Olam Rabbah, you all need to read it, and then it'll clarify Daniel, and then it'll clarify why Jesus told them, you see, to forgive 70 times 7. Do you remember that? Why 70 times 7? Because it's 490 years, and 490 years is the fulfillment of Daniel's 70th week. Okay, okay Mike, you want to say something? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'm trying to say this as gingerly as I can because I absolutely respect that you have a degree. You, uh, you could be a Ph.D., and I respect that, but, you know, it goes back to that simple reality that you can have five people with Ph.D.s and have five different opinions. So it kind of becomes irrelevant, you know, the, the education that anybody has. The notion that – Hang on, Peter. Hang on, Peter. Let him finish. Let him finish, Peter. Hang on. The notion that, that, that Noah had Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and Shem happened to be a Chinese man, it, it's, it's, it's just ludicrous. I mean, they, they, they're I, not. They, I, they, they, I didn't say that. It said Shem. The Bible says Shem went east. And who's in the Right, east? he went east. It doesn't mean he was Chinese. Okay. Well, what, no. What, when, who were in the the Aryans. And by the way, when the, when the, when the uh, first missionaries get there to China, you know what they find? The mother and the Madonna. Okay, I'm not a Catholic, but I'm just saying that's what they find. You know, where did that idea come from? But, and I didn't say 
that he was Chinese. And the only reason why I mentioned my education, which really means nothing, because when God calls a man, he equips him. And he doesn't need an education. Many, many pastors I know that have great congregations and churches that have never been to a school that God has raised up. And so the education doesn't mean anything. But the only reason why I said that was because you had said you had studied it for 15 years. And so I just wanted to let you know I had a little study, too. That's all. Yeah, well, the, the Aryans stuff. conquered all of Asia, the Aryans, who were the Israelites. They conquered all of Asia. They conquered the whole world. They went around the entire globe, the, the, the Israelites did. So it's just that the understandings people have come from, yes, different studies, from different books with different views. Ultimately, it, it comes down to anybody who ultimately really truly, truly loves the truth and seeks the truth, they should find it. But I think that often there may be people that are seeking the truth, but they kind of get caught up in a particular comfort zone or, or maybe they get caught up in a particular uh, book or books that take them down a particular direction. I mean, the, our enemy has done a great job of, again, confu- dividing, right? Divide and conquer. They confuse people. And, even and who is the enemy? The enemy is Satan, correct? Well, and again, if we, want to, if we want to take that literal or we want to take it figurative, we know that right now, in the most liberal sense, the enemy is a new world order, one world government agenda of people who are hell-bent on having total control over this world and everybody that's in it. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Who's, who's, who's behind the new world order, though? Who's behind, it? Who's behind the new world order? Obviously the devil, right? Well, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm going to keep that – I, I approach life in a very literalist sense, from from a from a physical sense, right? The Bible, I take it from a very cryptic sense because it makes more sense. From a physical sense of living, I'm going to take things in a more literal and practical sense. In other words, I'm not going to say the devil made me do it. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to look to quotes again like when you know, evil will prevail when good men and women do nothing. So uh, several of the preachers tonight, the, the doctors, referenced that reality, that we didn't stand up. We didn't stand up for, for God's laws, ultimately, for God's laws, because God has laws that he put in place, and if people followed God's laws just by virtue of saying, yes, I'm going to live in accordance with God's laws, but what have they done with that? Oh, no, Jesus did away with the law, and, and it's just... It's not even Ten Commandments anymore. It's just two. It's love your God and love your, your neighbor as yourself. And, and therefore, they use that to bastardize the word love. And, well, they're gay, but they love each other. And, and, and the doctors, they love cutting the, you know, the breasts off of women and cutting the penises off of men and, and doing surgery on them and turning them into freakazoids. But that's love. They've bastardized the word love. It comes down to God's word God's the creator. What did he create? What he did create is being completely destroyed and bastardized. And the Israelites, the true Israelites, are here to put an end to that and to bring people back to the truth of the creator. To preach religion the way it was written, for example, not misconstruing, misconstruing the word adultery. Right. That's a good example my son just made about, the, you know, ultimately even the, the Bible, you know, Again, having the background with religion myself, I know that the King James Bible is the one that everybody likes to say is the perfect book, but a lot of people will have great arguments against that, the fact that it was written by a king, you know, a, a man, a human being, in, from, via the Vatican, 
right, of people influence, human influence on it. Ultimately, unless you learn Greek and go back and study Greek, and even when you do that, you have to give the proper, you know, there's words in Greek that can be translated this way or that way. Which way are we going to translate it to suit our, our purpose? Or our well, well, we purpose? must believe that God is powerful whoa, enough. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. The, the, the King James Bible had nothing to do with the Vatican. It didn't come out of the Vatican. The only Vaticanist manuscripts that were used, were used was the uh, B, and that wasn't found until, you know, late the uh, manuscript. Nothing in the King James Bible came out of the Vatican. And that's a that's a blatant no, false lie. The, that's a statement no, that's not council, true. The Council of Laodicea in 338 no, AD determined what book no, would be in the Bible. No. No, that Council of Laodicea did not determine the canon of the books. You better go back and look at that. And and also what you said about Jesus is wrong, too, because in, in Deuteronomy 25, the Lord prophesied that he would raise up a prophet like Moses. And if the Jews were going to accept a prophet, they weren't going to accept a blue-eyed white guy from England, okay? They, they accepted a Jew who was a Jew, and he wasn't blue-eyed, and he wasn't blonde. And that picture comes Deuteronomy from the 1300s. 18, 18. Oh, that's Excuse that's that a false understanding. From, that comes, no, it's not a false understanding. It comes from the 1300s, it and it was the, it was a depiction of, of an artist in a contest, by the way. And Jesus Christ couldn't no. have been accepted by the Jews unless he was a Jew. And, unless, and listen, and he wasn't white. He had olive color skin. And, he's, and if you read his description, you see it in the Song of Solomon. It gives you the description of the Lord. Okay? And, and no, joking actually, around with some of my African-American friends Governor, one day, Governor when, we were, when, we, when we were reading. Letter. Governor, Hang on. Everybody get a chance, chance to speak. Hang on. Let everybody get a chance to speak. Just uh, can't talk over everybody. Just one person at a time. Peter, finish your point, please. And then I got Sarge waiting here. Well, he just dropped off, maybe. But I don't know if he's still here or not. But uh, go ahead, you know, this, 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 They would not, listen, the Jews would not have received Jesus Christ. He had to be a Jew, and he had to be of their descent. Okay? And that's why the genealogies are in Matthew and Luke. And it's quite clear. Well, they, yeah. Okay, so so he doesn't. There's nobody in there. And listen about this woman thing that you're saying. That about a woman that she should, you know, God says she, you know, she shouldn't do this. Hey, listen, God called Deborah, and she led the nation of Israel. God called that woman to put that tent stake in that man's head. God has used women throughout history. And when a man, when he doesn't have a man to stand up, he'll call a boy. And if a boy won't stand up. He'll call a man. So to say that God doesn't use women and it's a woman's place supposed to be stuck in the kitchen and all that, you know, we we got to be careful what we're saying there. That's a little anti-biblical. He uses women. Yeah, and that's he used not, divorce. And, that's not and what she I said. led a that's not what I said. Yeah, and that's not what I said. I said that the current, the, the enemy is using the media, media, movies, television to create women into these butch holding sh- sh- machine gun Yes, yeah, that's what you did say. He did say that, yes. And listen, I stand, I'll, stand cor- I'll stand corrected on it, and I apologize. I thought you, I misunderstood that. And, and I stand corrected on that, but I can't, you know, I can't agree with you, and I am sorry. I don't agree with British no, that's fine. I, I, don't, I don't, and I don't, but, but I want to say this. Listen, that doesn't mean you love Jesus any less than I do. And it doesn't mean you're That's any true. less saved than I do, okay? But, That's you know, true. I believe this. I believe truth is not relative, okay? And when we say, well, the King James Bible was written by a bunch of guys, listen, 
Psalm 12, 6 and 7 says God's preserved his word. You and I have his word. Jesus didn't tell you to live by every word of God and then not give it to you. It's here, and we have it, and it's inspired. And, you know, people say, well, there's no perfect translation. Well, I got news for you. That happens to be because God's the one who preserved it, not you and I. And God works through men. The Bible says holy men of God who were moved. And, and I understand what you're saying about the council and the Roman Catholics in 325. I came out of a Roman Catholic uh, 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 family. My father was from Calabria, Italy. And I want you to know something uh, uh, about that. They claim to be the first and original church in that they put the canon of the scriptures together. That's not true. The first church was in Jerusalem. The Lord's brother James was the pastor of the church. Okay? That's biblical. That's in the book of Acts. So, so Catholicism in itself is just an array of religions to draw religions, okay? I mean, you know, we, we can't eat Christ to keep our salvation. We know that, transubstantiation. But, but I'm a, I'm a Bible-believing fundamental Baptist, and, and I rally around the name Baptist because I adhere to the seven Baptist distinctives. And, that's, and what the seven Baptist distinctives are is I am following, I'm not a Protestant. Protestants broke away from the Catholic Church. I'm a Baptist. We were first called Anabaptists because we were rebaptizing those who were who were taught that they could get salvation by baptism. And for that, they killed millions of us. Okay? And so be, being a Baptist, what I'm saying is this. We're following the footsteps of the apostles. And God has promised us that he'd preserve his word. It's in there. It's biblical doctrine. And that's what all the new Bibles the NIVs, the RSVs, the ASV, the Revised Standard. When you go read Psalm 12, 6, and 7, you see in verse 7, it says, Thou will preserve them in the King James. But, however, in the other Bibles, it says, Thou will preserve us, meaning Israel. See? And that's not what the verse is talking about. It's taught in Psalm 6, 12, 6. It says, The Word of God is tried seven times. And there are seven world languages to the King James translation, and there are seven steps of translation to it, excluding Wycliffe. You know, Tyndale, Milesdale, Coverdale, you know, the, you, you're well educated in that thing. If your father was a Baptist minister, and, and you're, you, you know that, you're, you're well educated. I'm sure you're well, you're well edified. I don't want to say education because I hate the word. You know, education is Yeah, yeah, we just have different understandings based upon, you know, how we learn and who we learn from and what we learned and what we set our minds to try to understand. Well, and, and I absolutely have the position that, the, that you have a mainstream concept of Jews as if they were this dark group of people that came from, you know, over there in the Israel area, where the reality is there's, there's two things that could be said about that. First of all, we go back to Abraham. He wasn't a Jew. He was Abraham. And it was from Abraham right. that came the tribes of Israel. All right. So we can say, you know, and I've been I've been I've been putting this out there a lot over the last few months just to clarify, because you guys were mentioning earlier the whole problem with Jews and, you know, naming the Jews. And oh, even no, Joseph no. pointed out. Not me. Let me clarify The question of what a Jew is. Right. What is a Jew? Because the term Jew has only been around for a few hundred years. And people will say, oh, if they came from the tribe of Judah, therefore he was a Jew. But that wouldn't make them that would that would put them in the tribe. 12 tribes of Israel, a Judah, a Judah right, from the right. tribe of Judah. They followed and the 12 Judaism. tribes of Judah spread out as Caucasians through, who came through the Caucasus right. Mountains, I mean, and, and created all the, the territories of Europe and the United States of America. Okay. okay. All right. Well, well, we, we, well you know, yeah, guys, I've been... 
Yeah, you guys have a difference of opinion on that, on the, on the doctrinal or historical uh, doctrinal, uh, you know, so. We're getting an echo. Yeah, I got an echo. Somebody's got an echo here. I don't know, somebody's got that goal, or somebody's got my, just playing me in the background on a computer. Um, uh, somebody want to, I mean, uh, any more points you guys want to make? This is David Hurtler. Uh, I see uh, this is David Hurtler. Sarge is oh, wait. The country, go, go this ahead, is David Hurtler. This is David Hurtler. Israel, Israel, listen to me. Israel was created and put together by the Rothschilds. Israel was created and put together by the Rothschilds. Thank you. Have a good evening, everybody. All right. All right. All right. I think you can get it. All right. Stop, stop, stop. We can't make comments here like that. Let's just not do that. We have a difference of opinion on everything. I'm just just listening. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I know, I but heard, we, we uh, can't many, talk many over things. each other either. Okay, so please. <laughs> I, well, I'm not saying, but I wanted to. Say, I wanted to say Yeah, let's go down the line. Everybody go. gets two minutes. Let's I, do it. Like I have this. to go. Hang on, hang on. Go. Let's go two minutes. Everybody to go. down the line. Yes, you can go, but hang on. I want. Let me finish. Right. Everybody get two minutes here to wrap it up here tonight. Okay, let start me, with you, Doctor Ventura. Go ahead. Okay. Doctor Ventura, go ahead. Okay, he hung up. You, you see, he does that, yeah. you know. You know what I mean? You can't run – I mean, you, you can't – everybody yelling over each other is not going to get it anywhere. You're not going to accomplish anything, you know. Exactly. So, uh, Mike, go ahead. Two minutes. Yeah, just to say, we, it, should, it would have been good for the other fellow who just spoke to clarify what he meant by the Rothschilds created – Yeah, I know, Disney. I know. They, they hang up. He hung up and ran away. Because <laughs> – because the point, in fact, is that could have been taken by people as they created some fantasy idea of Israelites, but that's not what he meant. He was saying that they created Israel, that land over there, and he's right about that. Yes, that's true. That little state called Israel. Yeah, yeah. We go back, go back to the go back to the Congress of 1897 there, uh, where where they met in Switzerland. That's when they began to create the land. You know, they, that's where they met over there. So, uh, you know, so the uh, Jews. So, uh, you know, um, but anyway, um, uh, that's in your movie actually. Uh, your Europa there. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. You want two minutes here? Whoever's left on the line gets two minutes here to wrap it up. Let's do it like that. Go ahead, Mike. Two minutes. Go ahead. Closing thoughts. All right. So. Um, my son's got some thoughts. So go ahead. No. The gentleman you were speaking with a few minutes ago, I would encourage him to read Governor Lenticulus's letter to Pontius Pilate, which gives a full description of Jesus as he witnessed him. Right. Okay. So, Did you cool. Yeah. And I learned something only, new tonight. Again, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Not only Governor Lenticulus, but Pontius Pilate. They both gave eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And so it's, it's a worthy resource for people to look at to get a, a different and better understanding. But yeah. I appreciate it. My dad just had a quick word if I got 30 seconds left. Sure, right. sure. No, you guys uh, take two minutes. Go ahead. Two minutes. Each person. Go ahead. Two minutes. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, my name is Gene, G-E-N-E, uh, Mike's dad. Um, I nice was to meet wondering, you. Nice uh, to meet you, Gene. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Um, concerning religious concepts about the, the, the horse, the uh, uh <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. Take your time. <laughs> I've got people whispering in my ear on both yeah, sides. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, so anyways, I, I was concerning about one thing. Um, nobody's, I heard, didn't say anything this evening about 
their belief in the Sabbath day. The fourth commandment, right? So Correct. God says, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's all it says. However, what's the Sabbath day? Well, we got seven days in a week. And Sundays being the first day of the week. And Saturday, sabbatical, is the seventh day. So Saturday would be the seventh day or the holy day of God for us to worship him. On that day, a day of rest, a day of worship, and a day of refinement on your thoughts about God and your life for each week. In other words, a time to reflect and examine where we're at in in our relationship with the Almighty. But we don't want to keep going down a rosy path of destruction, self-destruction. We'll never see the heavenly realm. So I'm thinking... In the latter days, there, which I think we're emerging into you know, slowly but methodically, and there's a um, literal sequence of events that must take place for it to actually come to a total fruition of, of completion. So right now, um, I'm wondering uh, if people are giving thought about God's day, not man's chosen day, but God's day, which takes precedence in the Ten Commandments. Um, The seventh day is the Sabbath day, and it is for the Jews, and it is for the Seventh-day Adventist church of which I belong for the last 40 years. So so I would like to say... I know, I know. My dad's ultimately wanting to make the point that he wants to throw that out there, that that's his understanding. He has an understanding of that Sabbath, you know, being Saturday, not Sunday, and he holds to that. And it's a biblical, you know, equation. So he's just wondering, you know, what your thoughts are on that. Okay. Uh, well, my thoughts personally, um, I kind of got to coincide with your dad a lot on what he says that day, you know, keep it holy in that day. But, you know, at the same time, didn't when Jesus came, uh, then he, he came to fulfill the law. Are we not under the law anymore after after Christ went to the cross? I mean, shouldn't, that, you know, the Sabbath, we don't, you know what I mean? I, I just don't. Can I pose that question to you? Well, um, he didn't come to uh, uh, change the Sabbath day, that's for sure. And uh, he, he didn't came, die he to came change to the Sabbath. It, he meaning came to that he demonstrated that he could yeah. live by it. Yeah, but uh, yeah. the Sabbath day is is a is a um, he endorsed the Sabbath day, the seventh day, Saturday. That that's what Christ did when he was here at 33 years old when they crucified him. But he was so, also opposed to the legalistic approach people take about it, too. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know somehow, what? I think I think as a Republican, support of the Republican, us as a country, as a Republic, and, and as a government here, we should have that day really, though, as a country, as as whether way we, till we choose to uh, have that day. Now, should it be a law where we make everybody know? But I think it should be a, a foundation of what we believe in as a country, you know, and, and support it. Oh, I think, but who is the law? God, God, holds, God holds authority over our civil law. And if God sure. says the Sabbath day is the, is the seventh day, that's my chosen day, what he says, well, i got to go with him. I'm not going to okay. go with a civilian uh, right, concept. Yeah. Right, I agree with you. I agree with you. If that's what yeah, you're yeah. Choose, if you choose to do, then by all means, and that's what you should do. But should we have policy or law around the country? Why do we select? 
Why do we select? Yes, in the United States of America. You can't make uh, that. You, you can't, can't make it, the day of worship, Dad. The uh, no, God made the day of worship. No, but you can't. You can't. Other people have to seek that truth out for themselves. That's between them and God. You no, can't, that's you a good point. Yeah, that's what I was asking. Have you ever this heard of Dean. apostate no. Protestantism? All right, hang on a second. Uh, Mike, hang on. I got Mr. Hey, hang on, I got Mr. Yeah, Henning here who wants to say something. Got Mr. Henning, you might, might want to yeah, comment on that. Mr. Henning, I go wanna, ahead. I want to agree with Mike and his dad. Uh, that's something I did learn. Um, I've been standing here firmly and, and steadfastly in our America's Republic, and that's something I learned several years ago, that the Sabbath is Saturday. And I believe every officer or most officers in the Republic understand that. And the Roman Catholic Church yes. changed that some some. Right. I don't even know the date. Hundreds of years ago. Yeah, I agree. It's Saturday, I that's too. That's what Luc- the question that he was asking. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, it's that's Saturday part of too. Lucifer's yeah. plan, yeah, to uh, devour us or destroy us. But I see Gene yeah. Hitler still on the call. Gene, you got. Yeah, Gene, you want to say something like real quick? Because it got to a. We, we were doing pretty good, and we got kind of like really thrown into a real whirlpool of. I mean, really, if we just hold ourselves, our tongues, and just comment, you know, in turn, I think we'd get do pretty good like that. Go ahead, Gene. I just. I just wanted oh, to bring it forward. Oh, hang on. Oh, Mike, Mike, I'm sorry. Hang on, Mike. Gene wants to say something. Then everybody give their closing thoughts. Then I'll start the two-minute thing. <laughs> I, I just want to say I have enjoyed what I've listened to very much, and, and it's wonderful where, where we can listen to different concepts and even learn from each other. But the whole thing is what we want to do is we want to restore the American Republic, and all of us are acknowledging the creator as – uh, the head of the American Republic, and that's where we need to be. We need we need the Bible believing Christian people to come behind the American Republic, um, what's been re-inhabited in law, to work toward the restoration. And we can work through. We can we can help each other like we've been doing tonight with what we've learned and what we know um, through education, awesome. through documented evidence. Um, as we go forward, it, it's beautiful, and I've appreciated the conversation so much. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Gene. Uh, Mike, go ahead now. You have two minutes, or your dad wants to take uh, – uh, I mean, we have a powerful discussion here tonight. Mike, and promote your uh, website too, please, uh, and uh, uh, and your show also, please. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, uh, RighteousArmy.org, actually MilitiaUSA.org points and forwards to RighteousArmy.org, and NationalMilitiaNetwork.com points and forwards to RighteousArmy.org. So we're essentially putting forth an effort to, you know, in short, say that the bottom line is we the people are the militia, and everything we're doing is we're taking a lawful, peaceful, open and transparent approach to organizing we the people by endeavoring to have a, a point of contact, a point man and or point woman or two or three or four of them in every county who are stepping up to the plate to say, yes, you can call me and we'll give you direction on what we're doing. Having our monthly gun safety training, inviting the families and the children down, having a monthly meeting on the laws and and the Republic, um, having an annual barbecue. Everybody that comes to these events is wearing a shirt that says Second Amendment, I am a militia, you know, preferably with our 
you know, website on it. I mean, I created shirts for people to get on the website, but even if you make it on your own, having a shirt that says I am militia is making a statement because we are the militia. So I appreciate that. Um, we do our national militia meetings every Sunday and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. And um, I appreciate when you come on as you do, Joseph, and I appreciate you having me on on your show tonight. I'll, I'll put it back to my dad. He wants a couple of thoughts that he wants to finish Sure. Off. And before Thanks, you put it back to your dad, Mike, after the show, if you don't mind, you see, I've got your permission to give you a call. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. 24/7. All right. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. I just want to ask permission before I do, you know, okay? Go ahead. Go ahead there, Mike's dad. Go ahead. <laughs> you got the floor. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't have a whole lot left to say. I just wanted to bring forward that I was hearing a lot of religious uh, philosophy there and theology, and it just kind of dawned on me that I didn't hear anybody speaking about uh, the Sabbath day, which is a very important in God's eyes because he created it and uh, expects us to honor it. And so when people get that clear understanding of what it represents, perhaps they will um, give more consideration as to what uh, has transpired over the last few hundred years in terms of how Sunday seems to be prevalent with most so-called Christian churches. Uh, there's a variation of uh, and, uh, doctrinal uh, uh, concepts and, and, and a variance in uh, theological uh, thinking in terms of what the Bible has to offer. Uh, we, we use the King James Version, but we also like the New International Version, which is easy to understand because you don't have to worry about the these and thous and those and all the weird uh, concepts of English that we're not used to speaking. But it does break down in terms of, uh, uh, in the English language, it's an easier word. Uh, Nothing is taken out of context that's irrelevant to, uh, that's relevant to the truth. So So his point there is, what are your thoughts on the... New International Version as well. Well, when I call you so, after the show, we can get into that more in a, on a discussion on that. But my, my point is that it's easier to read, uh, like he said, but the King James Bible is the final seventh translation. Now, what, it does take out of context the New International Version, the NIV. And as a matter of fact, in the NIV, for instance, let me give you an example. Uh, I believe it's in Isaiah. I uh, wish I had the verse here in front of me where the morning star describes the morning star. Actually, it calls Jesus Satan. It uh, describes Jesus as being Satan and the falling star. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I'll pull up some notes here when I call you after the show that we're really where there's, I think, 483 omitted verses out of the uh, uh, New International Version, actually. They're omitted, so it makes it easier. Well, you know, I, I mean, uh, that's, that, I mean, that's your choice. I mean, I, I, but I think that, you know, uh, you know, we should study the Word, rightly divide the Word, and uh, I believe that, the, in my personal opinion, through my theological studies, that the seventh translation, like Dr. Ventura did say, I'll agree with him on that, that that is the King James 1611 version. That is the seventh and final word of God that was prophesied and foretold for us to study and be inspired from, in my opinion. But if you want to study other translations that have at it, uh, other languages have at it, it's good to study Hebrew, Greek, Latin, Tyndale, Coverdale. You want to stu- uh, study all that, then, hey, 
you know, uh, study to show yourself as a workman approved unto God, right? Rightly dividing the word. That's what the Second Timothy says. So um, that's in my opinion on that. But we can have more discussion afterwards on that. Uh, they're going to cut me off any second. Uh, Mr. Henning uh, or Mr. Binder, we've we, we got to pray us out. Yeah. Everybody, after this conversation, we definitely have to have a prayer at the end. I mean, we can't deny that. Uh, Let's give due to God. Uh, most. Go ahead, Governor Henning. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Joe. Yeah, yeah, thank you, everyone. This has been a great, great evening, and uh, thank you, every one of you, for coming and sharing your insight and your knowledge. But Representative Binder, if he'd close us in prayer, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, in the name of Yeshua, we give thanks for your plan that is unfolding before our very eyes. From domes being systematically sealed to tyrants being called out by the masses of people on a global scale. To miracles of healing and spiritual transformation being more and more prevalent. Thank you. Throughout our short history in America, we truly parallel Israel doing its time in Egypt in many ways during our struggle to be free here in America. First, there was a time of conflict, Joseph and the famine, followed by prosperity, the reunited of Israel and the growth of the nation. And then the oppression and servitude that soon caused the people to become slaves to the point of not even having the right to travel at will. Then Lord Moses caused Pharaoh to give Israel their freedom over a very effective series of plagues. Then after the last plague, Pharaoh gave Israel everything they wanted and more. And so we find ourselves in a perilous scenario before the Red Sea moment today when God is setting us free. So shalom. So strengthen us, Father, out of your glorious unlimited resources. Give us the mighty inner strength of your Holy Spirit and renew our commitment to keep our gospel armor on and after doing all that we can to stand. We pray for blessings for our patriots and Christians all around the world that are standing against tyranny, oppression, and crimes against humanity. We pray the protection of Psalms 91 over our military. We pray the action of Psalm 75 over our nation, and we pray for the justice of Psalms 35 all over our earth. Father, put a dome of protection around us, our family and our friends, that is impenetrable by the spiritual dark forces we war against, and send us an angel army we can call upon in times of need. Send us provisions and healing for our fallen soldiers and for those who are in the victim of medical error. Send your healing energy and frequency to them, and bathe them in your healing light. Thank you, Father, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and forever. God save the republic. Amen. God save the republic, amen. guys. Yeah, amen. That was great. Thank you so much. And, uh, Mike, thank you. I'm going to call you here after the podcast. I can call about several people. But I want to say thanks to your dad. for uh, He's obviously very wise. been around the block a while, and, and I understand where he's coming from. And I want to say thank thank you for coming on. the. I always respect people of uh, a little bit. I don't like to call old people. I like to say a little bit of a longer in a tooth, been around the block, who's seen a lot of garbage in their life and are sick and tired of what's going on, basically. <laughs> that's a fact. Thank you for allowing me to talk. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for coming on. Everybody, that's the most important thing. We're here to save our republic. You know, We're in trouble in this country, and we've got to come together and work together. So I want to say thanks to everybody until next Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. East. Thanks, everybody. God save the republic. Take care, everybody. Amen. God bless America.